You know, you introduced me to two things that have been, well, more than that, but to two things that have been like a huge staple in my life. One of them is bourbon, and the other one is the importance of collecting vinyl. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, we got an album here now. We're wearing the same clothes because that's how we do it. We did another double shoot today, so we hope you guys enjoyed part one. Um, We're going to dive back into Keith. Uh, Keith's story at at some point we're gonna pick up where we left off. That is uh, summer of two thousand five. Is that right? Did yeah. I get it? Okay, I wrote that down to make sure I got it right. So, uh, welcome to another episode of the Scratch Track. My name is Josh Plummer, and uh, that dope ass piano motif that you just heard is uh, that's our new single called Honey Eye. I do own the rights to that also YouTube. So thanks very much. I, I, and, didn't, I didn't even get the full story on that. So. <laughs> I don't know uh, what happened. No, They're just like, hey, uh, you can't use this song because uh, it's owned by a guy named Josh Plummer. And I submitted a claim. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know what happened. It, it takes a while for it to process. I'm, it's not going to, I mean, I'm not going to sue myself. Maybe I could. Inception. I don't know. Oh Let's see. So uh, welcome to another episode. We are diving into uh, my favorite album of all time uh, before these crowded streets, Dave Matthews Band. And uh, to my left, your right, this is Mr. Keith Schwier. Hello. Start us off again, if you could, and plug uh, plug your social media and all the, those upcoming gigs again for me, please. Well, I uh, I play with Alfonso in Sweetlick. That's right. And you can find us at Facebook.com Sweetlick Tampa. And I also play with Tammy Dupre. And you know us as Bourbon and Ginger. And you can find us at Facebook.com slash bourbon and gin and all the dave matthews band tributes that josh and i do you can find on his personal page as well as his josh Plummer music facebook page mm-hmm. and in yours too yes yeah the and beautiful, the beautiful write-ups from oh, your page yeah that's right well, and uh yeah. we'll uh poetry we'll be playing sweelik will be playing april 9th at sea dog brewing company we'll be playing april 16th at troubled waters um, I'm not sure what Tammy and I are doing yet in terms of all of that. I've got to figure it out with her based on her family schedule and all that's going mm-hmm. on there. Uh, but her and I will be setting up something shortly, too. And as far as our Dave Matthews Band tributes go, April 23rd at Bayborough Brewing Company in mm-hmm. St. Pete. April yep. 30th at Barfly Palm Harbor. Yep. And uh, May 15th at Rusty Lion in Dunedin. Lovely. All right. All right. Let's get into it because I am super excited. Um, First off, this is not a vinyl that you see on the shelves a lot. It's yeah. not. How many copies are there left in the world? They only pressed I, like what a couple hundred. So this came not out a couple hundred. It can't be that low, is it? No, no, no. no. It's more than that. Uh, the problem is, is that the figure has been never really confirmed. Yeah. Although people suspect, I think around, I want to say maybe four to five thousand. Okay, really? I think worldwide okay. or nationwide. Uh, total. They, they they pressed that much. Of this record, and it was just at a time in 1998 where vinyl was totally, yeah, just totally gone. Yeah. Right, you know, there God. there was nothing getting pressed outside of maybe a few artists doing some specialty pressings, but vinyl was on its complete yeah. decline. You know, in the in the late 90s, going into the first part of the 2000s. Yeah. So uh, to to 
I mean, now we think of Under the Table and Dreaming and Remember mm-hmm. Two Things and Crash, you know, being relatively easy to pick up on vinyl because yeah, the band has yeah. reissued them for yes. their anniversaries. Yes. But uh, for a very long time, the only Dave Matthews band you could pick up on vinyl outside of a stray, uh, maybe 45, a promotional thing. Mm-hmm. Full album-wise, though, was before these crowded streets, yeah. and it became a rare, rare find yeah, it's, because it's they only after. pressed a very select few. When you think of how much usually gets pressed for a vinyl nowadays, there was yeah. maybe a few thousand pressed. Again, I'll go up maybe even and say 5,000. Wow. Nobody knows the, the exact That's, number. I mean, still. But, yeah, wow. and, and when you think about those getting spread out all over, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's oh, yeah. a pretty cool find. So I was lucky enough to snag a, a copy. And what's funny is, you know, they've done the anniversary reissues for All the first them. three records, and this one, the anniversary came and went in 2018. Yeah, and we're still a waiting of, on it. I'm I'm not sure what the holdup is. A lot of people thought that we were going to do it. Yeah, I will tell you right now, which is why. Sorry to cut you off. No, I was just going to say, which is why when I saw this at a record store, all sealed. Yeah, you remember I unsealed it. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that the right term? I yeah. I took a knife to the yeah. uh, the plastic wrap yeah. and and uh, played it for the first time mm-hmm. on Facebook when mm-hmm. Alfonso uh, he opened he up, opened uh, his uh, purple, purple rain, rain pressing from 1984. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I said I got to pick this up because I don't think this anniversary reissue is coming anytime nope. soon. So where did you find this? This was at Mojo in Tampa. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. right. That's right. I looked up. And I said, it can't be. It's one of those things where you never think you're going to see Dude, it. Uh, and mean, I looked back down, and I looked up again, and I said, that, that is not a used copy. That's a brand new copy. Wow. I mean, new in the, so in, in the sense that it had never been opened. Right, and they, right. they had gotten it wherever they had gotten it, and it had stayed in its wrap. What kind of sick muck? Who? Are, we, are we still in the yeah. first? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, got, okay. we got a little bit. No. I always try to. It's kind of just the rule that not the really bourbon has been. Can't, uh, I can't curse in the first ten. To right, we're probably going to swear a lot more in this one. Yep. So so I, somebody's got this sick mother. Go for bleeper, it. Yeah. You know would do that. Who would leave a baby like that on the shelf? Ugh. Oh my gosh. And ugh, disgusting. And behavior. the thing is, is that I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I'll be a little bit extravagant now and again with with. Uh, getting vinyl as kelly will too you know because she has come to love vinyl quite a bit too and she was not into it at all i mean you know i had to kind of open up her uh to the idea of spinning vinyl yeah um yeah and because it's not on everybody's radar it's like digital you know you know yeah that's the easiest so you know totally understandable yeah but she likes to find things such as this, and be a little bit extravagant, but not all the time because it does get a little pricey. Oh, yeah. But you see this on the shelf (laughs) for, you know, and it goes on eBay and, and, you know, other sites that uh, sell rare vinyl for, you know, four to six hundred dollars, if not more. Right. You know, so when they've got it up there for a couple hundred dollars, you know, Kelly's like, I'm getting that for you, you know. Yes. So she's like, let's pick this up right now. So we purchased it and finally decided to open it. And what do you know? Here we are. I mean, it's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, it's it's incredible. I this is this is an episode that I've been so looking forward to. And you know, it it's it's this is an album that just keeps giving to me. This is one I've oh we've my talked, gosh we've talked about a lot of albums on here so far. We've talked some country. We've talked some uh, some some hip hop. We've talked some rock and roll. We've talked some. Uh, 
you know, all different types of rock and roll under that umbrella of, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it be just straight up rock and roll or alternative or, you know, garage rock or theater rock, mm-hmm. whatever. But we've had a lot of different uh, topics to cover. This is an album that I am very well versed in. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that I won't come off as dumb as I have been in the other albums that we've been discussing before. But So yo, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say that when I listened to this today, I was just looking at the track listing and I it's been a while since I kind of looked at the whole not not listen to the whole thing, but just look at the track listing right. and go banger, banger. I know. Bang, like all from the very top to the very bottom. There is not a song on here that I want to skip, you, ever. And you know, I mean, well, there's one, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> all right. So uh, I think you're you're and I yeah. are the same. So think about this. You know, you know, I just have to always. I, I look at this because I listened to it before we were doing this today too, yeah, just same. to refresh myself yep, yep. with the with the album in a way that you only get from playing it from start to finish. Oh you know? yeah. And was just thinking to you know the thing about this album is. You know, how can I say it here quickly on the fly? It's it's darker than the albums that come before it. Way darker. Right. Way darker. But it's it's so it's it's gritty. Yes. It's gritty, but it's cinematic. Yes. The the Lily yeah, White production it, makes it very cinematic. So it's very gritty so. but cinematic. It's you know, it's sprawling. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, truly it is a double album, but you know, pretty much you know, not anybody had it on vinyl. So, I mean, it yeah. was thought of as just a single album on CD, not like right. a double CD right. album. So, you know, on vinyl, yes, it's a double, but in, in truth, it's really just a single CD. You know, it's sprawling, but it sounds very punchy and concise. It's... So, you know, it's gritty, but cinematic. It's sprawling, but it's concise, and it, it's it got a it's got a suave to it. it the, a lot of the songs are funky. There's a lot of very sauntering funky. that goes along. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of just open space for jamming. And yes, and yeah. it's just a feisty, frisky, fantastically motherfucker of a groove yeah, it of of a record. It really just is. every song is yeah. just absolutely amazing. It's 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 fantastic. I mean, I so I got to be honest because I and I've said this a hundred times. I was never a big Dave fan until maybe about twenty eleven. 2012 i had a my my one of my good buddies in uh high school austin fuck i gotta bleep out his last name god damn it i always do that so uh (laughs) he knows who he is uh he was the one that introduced me to dave and Mm -hmm. i just remember i remember one of the first things that i heard on uh on any song was uh uh, 41, those those rolls on the hi-hat right. from Carter, because I was really big into the drums at that point. I wasn't mm-hmm. even listening to the voicings and appreciating the 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 unique touch that Dave had on a guitar to just make it sound like a, a completely different instrument with those different open voicings and everything like that. But I was more focused on the drums, and I was blown away by that talent. So that's yeah. what got me into it first. Mm-hmm. And then I started to pick up the guitar, and I was like, I was like, hey, this sounds like a fun song to learn. And then I looked it up. I'm like, what is... What is this? How yeah. do you? I can't even. I can't even fathom these chord changes. I mean, some of these on here still. I mean, so I, there's there's some Dave songs that I just I can't figure out. Like I just don't have the mental dexterity to kind of sit back and figure out what's going on. Yeah, and you know, it's it's amazing too. We've talked about this. Is that you know, 
it, he's Dave and yeah. he's quirky Dave and he's the <laughs> singer and you know and he's got all of these amazing musicians around him and of course oh my God. on the guitar he's surrounded by you know not only Stefan on the bass but mm-hmm. the mighty Tim Reynolds yeah. so you know Dave was this kind the of... first uh, record that he was on no so Tim was on remember two things oh. under the table crash and this one he after, was on all of them? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. But after this, hmm. he took his sabbatical from touring and yep. doing the recordings with the band to move to, I think it was New Mexico, and try to yeah. pursue an acoustic solo career. Yeah. And he Which did he that, still does. He did that for a decade yeah. and then came back to the band in 2008 yeah. to perform live and be on the recordings. But he went on, yeah. on a he's, sabbatical after the 98 tour. He's played in Safety tour. Harbor quite a bit. Yeah. And is around. he's around the area all the time. Yeah. So that's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Oh, I was just going to say though, real quick, is that um, so you know, it's easy to not overlook, but it just gets lost in the shuffle in a good way. But it, mm-hmm. I mean, you say getting lost in the shuffle is not good anyway. You cut it, but what I just mean is it blends so well that you don't pick up on it probably as much as you should if you're kind of a. Uh, uh, average music fan and average doesn't mean that you you don't have high intellect about music it just means you're not nerding out and studying it to the degree that you know maybe we do or whatnot analyzing every little detail is that you kind of say oh you know dave's he's he's a pretty good guitar player and the, the thing is is that when you factor in not just the way he plays chords, which we talked about in the previous podcast, mm-hmm. which is a very open, kind of stretched fingered voicing for a lot of it. Not all the yeah. songs, but yeah. for a lot of them. That's just yeah. the way he, he yeah. voices yeah. Right. the guitar. Every guitar player finds their way to express and, and make the instrument their own um, voice. And right. his is a very right. open chordal kind of thing for the most part. Oh, yeah. But when you factor in all the trickiness of the rhythmic qualities as yes. well as the stretching weird time and then singing and, on top of it yeah the way that he does unbelievable the guy is should be on more guitar lists than i'm i mean the the, the if you put what he does in my humble opinion and and the 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 silliest thing you can do is get really you know pissy or kind of put too much into these guitar lists because it's whoever yeah. moves you it's yeah, it's whatever it's, it's really a popularity right thing. yeah so yeah. i i'm not here to you know get pissy about you know he's not on the list or whatever but when yeah. i see guitar lists and i see you know not just for the impact they've made in music but just for their technical ability and i see oh, some yeah. guitar players up there at the top yeah. of the list and of course you know somebody like dave because i think he's thought of more as a singer songwriter as well as a guitar player but that he's not on the list of of guitar players when you list a hundred guitar players who are playing technically difficult stuff in combination with singing because you think of some of the guitar players that are on the list that are Uh, say you're 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 Jack White yeah. or your I Kirk Cobain, yeah, or, or, right. <laughs> He's always up there. You know, yes. And I'm like, what? Yes, there yeah. are those those guitar players that are primarily yeah. guitar players more... that, that that are like your Jimmy Pages and your yeah, Jimmy yeah. Hendrix and your yeah. you know and your Steve Eyes and your Joe Satriani's. Yeah. And yeah. I get all of that. Yeah. But I'm saying if some of these guitar players who are singers slash guitar players are making these lists, I sometimes look at them and go. Do you really study what Dave does on the guitar yeah. and how he blends it's what he does vocally very, with? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's just pretty unique. amazing. There's no one else that plays right like him, and the people that do play like him because of him. They don't. It's a it's a direct iteration of what he has done. It's not like they, there's no two people that just so like there, there's no one else that j- is just gonna happen a, a, around uh, that they're gonna 
stumble upon a way to play a chord that was like, oh, I didn't realize they played that the same yeah. way. It's it he, you're going to play it that way because you saw him do that. Yeah, you know, it's 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 always it's always like that. It's it's a uh, it it is, and I remember you talking to me about this uh, very early on in our uh, time knowing each other and playing together was what you said about the guitar list thing. You said it it's it's criminal for people to not. Recognize. See what how difficult it mm-hmm. is that that he does. I mean, I I look at songs like uh, you know JTR mm-hmm. and Stay and yeah. The Stone on mm-hmm. here. Um, there's another recently. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of songs that are like constant rhythmically those quarter note yeah. uh, single note strokes that he's throwing in there rather than like a full chord and he's singing on top of it and then to follow like like a weird five, four time signature or something right. like that. Like you're constantly falling off the cliff and like, it's just, it's, it's nuts. I can't, I, nuts. I, I can't, the only way I would know how to play like that is yeah. because of him. Yeah. And where I'm going with this is uh, many of these songs are some of, I would say, um, maybe some of the hardest material to sing and play on the guitar. When I yes. look at Rapunzel, I look at the yes. dreaming tree, I look at the stone, you know, and I'm looking at these and I'm going, you know, this is some of the most demanding material. Yeah. Not being a singer myself, but I can imagine as a singer slash guitar player that you have to take on is oh, yeah. what is on this record. It's Dave at some of his most challenging and yeah. technically um, yeah. awe-inspiring. I would say. Moments. I would it's, say that in terms of difficulty of a uh, of an album, this actually might not be the most difficult top to bottom to play in terms of a guitar. What would you say? I would think away from the world is pretty up there. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff on there, like the riff, rooftop, mm-hmm. and uh, there's another one on there, gaucho. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff crazy, in there, huh? like weird stretches. Even Mercy's a little bit a little bit tough because he does that. St- not Mercy. What's the other? Oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow it. Ballad. Yeah, it's another ballad on there. That, if only. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those. Uh, if only, and then um, is it? No, that's Big Whiskey. I was thinking Bellyful. Um, yeah. Bellyful's on away yeah. from the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Is that with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the one I was thinking. Of. Okay. Um, Baby Blue is the one from oh, Big Whiskey. Yeah. yeah, that's the other one. Okay, so we're going. All right, anyways, we're going. That's crazy. All right, all right. Back so, to this amazing yeah. masterpiece right here. Okay, <laughs> but I yeah, there's there's some stuff on here that I remember. It took me years to learn, to, yeah. years to learn how to do it the right way. I had been playing some of these songs incorrectly for, I mean, the better half of a decade before I actually sat down and was like, okay, now I need to see what he's doing with his hands. Like I would watch the Dave and Tim performances. I would watch Radio City. I would watch him at Farm Aid. I would watch him at all that stuff, uh, all the live streams that they do with the old, you know, the summer warm-up videos and things like that. I would just watch his hands because yeah. I'm like, I got to see what chord that is because mm-hmm. no one tabs it correctly. They yeah. might, but it's just, it doesn't make sense to me to see. So it uh, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty insane to just... Uh, kind of look at this track by track and think that he just put a guitar behind uh these beautifully composed lyrics and also made it different enough to stand out head and shoulders above everything that was going on in this scene i mean in the late 90s you have a lot of like uh post grunge pop rockers oh coming gosh. out a lot of like matchbox 20 stuff was coming out so this was my introduction to dave yeah uh, i had seen well 
in full disclosure, I had known of some of the hits before that had been on MTV heavily, yeah. like What Would You Say or oh, whatnot, and thought, oh, this is cool, but yeah, it didn't really, yeah. yeah, it didn't really inspire me enough mm-hmm. to pick up an album, and Same. then. And then Don't Drink the Water came mm-hmm. out, and I thought, well, this is a cool, like, Peter Gabriel-esque kind of dark yeah, kind of tune. Yeah, like video. It, yeah. it was yeah. cool. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, trippy. well, okay. I'm, and the album had just come out, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to go to the store and get it and just mm-hmm. kind of see what this band's all about. And put it on, and it was good for me because we had talked in the other podcast about what I had grown up on Mm -hmm. and we hadn't really talked about all the alternative stuff, but certainly there were bands like Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, Candlebox and others that, you know, that I I was very into that were much more in the movement of, of the uh, early to mid nineties. But, but it was a very devoid time for me in terms of being inspired, you you know, musically in 98. Cause think of where we are. So, you know, you know, if you're into, say, Nirvana, you know, Kurt's yeah. been gone for four years. Yeah. You know, Green Day came out. I like yeah. Green Day when they first yeah. came out. Yeah. But they're already, well, they, they, they're they mm-hmm. out. You know, I think Good Riddance was a hit around this time. But, yeah. you know, they had already been out, had a couple albums yeah, out. Dookie. They were kind of just, you yeah. know, they were, okay, Green Day. You know, they yeah, weren't yeah, the, yeah. the big... Uh, kind of uh international super hits or whatever the huge the huge sensation yeah uh that that they were when they first came out you know it's not that it's not that the 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 bloom had faded off their rows it was just that they were kind of like they were established now so and what and you know you had the brit pop oasis right was big blur was popular with song two Yeah. yeah right but but think about what was mostly there my friend you know you had like um you had people on the charts that were at the top of it, like Celine Dion, right? That's funny you mentioned that, because I was just about to bring that up. And Cher, Mm -hmm. and other stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm just like, I'm scraping to find anything that really inspires me, you know, because even, you know, stuff like that I enjoyed from Definitely Maybe or or What's the Story, Morning Glory, that was back in 94 and 95. Right. You know, Pearl Jam was in their real kind of wilderness phase in a way. You know, they had gone through Vitology, which I loved, After Versus in 10, but then started to get into No Code and and stuff like that. And then they came back around with Yield, but that was, I think, in 96. And then they were off to, like, doing Binaural. And it was, you know, so, you know, a lot of... Yeah, yeah, so I was really kind of stretching and scraping to find something. And I was still listening to all the stuff I... I fell in love with in the first place for music, you know, those bands from the, the mid to late yeah. 80s and the early 90s. But in terms of trying to find new stuff yeah. as a high schooler, you know, I'm and this came out in my senior year, you know, but I was looking for something. And I picked this thing up off the shelf and I play it and I'm like this is it. Yeah. It's here. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm listening to the first track, uh, you know, there's yeah. the, uh, the opening fanfare, which is, you know, the, the Pantala Naga Pampa. Yeah. Um, if I'm saying that correctly, I'm not, I'm never sure how to say that. Is that how you say it? I, I've always said it, uh, pa- uh, I think I say Pantala Naga Pampa. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But so it, the translation of it is, there's a snake in my pants. Right, python in my pants. There's yep. a python in my pants, yep. yeah, because I guess a cook for them or something was yeah. speaking in his native right. tongue, and he kept saying uh, Pampa or whatever, yep. Pantalanagapampa, whatever you want to say it. He kept saying that, and they're like, what does that mean? He goes, there's a snake in my pants. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, we're going to call an opening track about 
love and relaxing and yeah. laying down with your lover. Right. There's a snake in my pants. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I like, I, here we go. So, so I'm playing this in the car after getting it from the store and that goes by in about 40 seconds or whatnot. Yeah. And then Rapunzel kicks in, Oof. which was not a single at the time. Oof. It ended up being a single, but not at the time that yeah. I got the record. And I'm listening to this song and I, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, 18 now, you know, I'm, I'm able to dissect music in a pretty good way, but I'm still like, what's the counting here? Like, what yeah. are they doing? Yeah. And then I figure out, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I figure out, oh my God, I, the first track on this album's in 11, eight time. And, yeah, yeah. and, and it's switching, to, you know, it's doing all this kind of stuff yeah. and it's very jazzy and, yeah. and, you know, it's funky too. And it's yeah. in this odd time signature and it's switching from like, you know, uh, yeah. a G kind of bluesy mixolydian to like in the bridge there, it's in a D minor to B flat to C, not to get yeah. too theory uh, technical about it, but I'm just listening to this and I'm going, this is all in the first song. Yeah. Like this is amazing. Yeah. Originally called Funkin' Five. Yeah. And it was uh, a, just something that just grabs you right away. Right. And the thing that, okay, so this is what I wanted to say before, before we got in this. So speaking of the, the music around this time, this is something I brought up to Jasmine. Because ah. it, dethr- it dethroned her queen. Oh no! This this no. album, <laughs> this album sold four hundred twenty one thousand units in the first week. Yeah, and then knocked off the Titanic soundtrack. Oh no! At number one on the Billboard two hundred, for it was there for sixteen weeks, and then this Dave, was the album that finally that knocked it off. Oh. Yeah. And they have had a consistent stretch. I think it's now eight in a row, seven or eight in a row that mm-hmm. debuted at number one. Yeah, they just keep going. It's they, I mean, amazing. they just keep doing it. And not, I mean, look, not all of them are masterpieces like this, but it just goes to show you that the fans are so dedicated to this sound and this in this band that it's they they there's nothing that can stand in the way of them getting a taste of what they're cooking, yeah. like what's new, what 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 feels good. Mm-hmm. Even though like with some like Come Tomorrow, where, you know, two, three, four, maybe five of the songs you've heard in live performances in years past, right. it was still nice to see what, they, what they've been doing uh, in the studio and how it's going to change things. But here's what's crazy. All right. Do you know the shortest song on this album? Other than the Wait, intro. Oh. Other than the 40-second intro, do you know the shortest song on this? The shortest song, I'll say this, this, Halloween. It is Halloween. Okay. But it's five minutes. Yeah, so that tells you something. Right off the bat, after the intro, you had six minutes, 6.57, 8.09. Yeah. And then 7.01. And I For think the that... first side of the album, it's like, shit, yeah. these are journeys. Right. These are Well, also you have, on the back end of it, you have those little interlude songs. Like little commercials almost, yeah, musical adverts. Exactly, within, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like Leroy on the phone Yep. Uh, in the studio, which I didn't know that was Leroy. I always thought that was Dave. In in between Rapunzel and the oh, last right, stop. Oh, right, right, right. he's like, hello? Yeah, you hear yeah, him on the phone? that's I, Leroy. I huh? didn't know. Didn't yeah. know that, yeah. Yeah, that's what it said. So that is crazy to me how long these songs are. And then when right. people come to me, they're like, hey, who are your influences? And we're like, like Steve. Remember Steve was saying like, oh, yeah, you could do a six-minute you can do a six-minute dark ballad. You're Josh Plummer, man. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. I was you like, love those producers I was like, that yeah. encourage that. I love, I love those long songs, man, those long journeys. Um, it's it's crazy to think that something like Crush got on the radio with so much time. I mean, granted, they probably cut they cut out that last guitar yeah. lead at the end. But it, all in all, it's probably a six-and-a-half-minute song on the radio. Not to jump around, because I know we want to talk about the individual songs and what they mean to us, but did you know that this was... For whatever stock you take into the Grammys, 
Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But did you know that this was nominated for Best Rock Album? I did. Yeah. And yes. it lost to John Fogarty. Interesting. Yeah. What did, what was, what did he put out then? That was the album he did. That was kind of his return to form. Um, I think it was called Blue Moon or Black Moon Swamp. I'm not sure. All apologies to John. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> sorry, Something John. with Swamp and Moon in the title. But if you see this, one, John, we're yeah, sorry. Yeah, about, yeah. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> I should know yeah. better. But I know it was nominated in a loss. And I think Fogarty was the one that won it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But so of Okay, so of these, um, what do you think is your favorite uh, little interlude? I have a list of these. Okay. The uh, my one of my favorites, I will say, is the 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 strings, the the in, in between Halloween and the Stone. Yes, that's probably my favorite interlude. But there's there's a few others. The flute that follows "Don't Drink the Water." That little yeah, the little before stay. Sure. Uh-huh. And then um, the uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, the one uh, I guess the anyone seen the bridge where they tease that riff? Yeah, right. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. Or I, never I, I guess actually, I, I researched that not too long ago out of just sheer curiosity. Is that I, it essentially originated here because I didn't yes. know when that first came out. Yeah. And I think it was 2000 or something where they yes. first brought the bridge into the live show. Right. So obviously it came from a jam that was then right. partially shown on this album through I the never, I never small put that, excerpt before I, Spoon. I never put that together because it's it sounds so much different live. That yeah. it does on the record, right. which is what I love about this album, also, which I'm going to get into in a second. But, um, so so my favorite out of those what, three, yeah, or and then also the other one that is another one that's close to the top for me is the the last stop reprise that happens. Oh, at, at the end of Spoon, at the end of Spoon, yeah. and it, at the end of Last Stop, right. obviously. But, but it's that fade out, right? And then yeah, they mm-hmm. then they bring it back at the mm-hmm. end of the album. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well. Um, Probably that right there. Probably the last stop reprise I, because it's such I, yeah. a mellow way to end the album. And through all the darkness, yes. there's that little glimmer of sunshine right. that is saying everything's going to be okay. You've yeah. taken this journey. It's been dark. It's mm-hmm. been a little menacing. It's been yeah. a little bit. Um, Thanks for listening. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit mired yeah. in despair. Yes. And but we've made it through. Yes, you know we've taken that emotional roller coaster. And now, by the way, everything's going to be okay. So right. I, I like that outro a lot. Now, uh, your favorite guest, guest musician on this record. Now, just to list a few of these people that some of you might not know who's featured on this album. One big heavy hitter at the time, Alanis Morissette, right, is on this album in two tracks. She's at the end of "Don't Drink the Water" and she's the second part of the duet in "Spoon." One of the so haunting. um, When you hear that voice kick in, I'm like, you think of '98. (gasps) You know, she was right there. In uh, rock well, and roll, Jagged right Little there, ninety five, yeah, I think. Yeah. And uh, the second album that had come out was uh, su- supposed infatuation, yeah. junkie, Summers. It's got I, a long I, title. I, yeah. But she was really yeah. on top of the world. Oh, she had huge. put out the follow up to Jagged Little Pill, and huge. it shows yeah. you where Dave was too on their ascension. Because when people think of Remember Two Things through this record, four albums as kind of their ultimate kind of first act ascension, mm-hmm. where they really could do no wrong. I mean, they were yeah. playing arenas, multiple night sellouts. Yes, they built up something through these four albums that culminated with course. this. Yeah. They allowed them to have all the longevity in the world mm-hmm. and continue to tour and uh, be able to do everything as a group that they've been able to sustain mm-hmm. since 1998. Right. So they they built up everything in a in a in a just a tremendous way. But right. in terms of the first four records. 
you know, it was never the same, I don't think, after this album and tour, and they went into what became the Aborted Lily White Sessions. Oh. All the furor that came <laughs> yeah. from that. Yeah. And then also the Everyday album, which mm-hmm. followed that. Mm-hmm. And then Bust This Up, then Stand Up. But anyway, mm-hmm. So where I'm going with this is that the first album to the second album to the third album to the fourth album seemed to be almost a creative ascension that was... It perfect was, yeah and, and just yeah. when you listen to those four records in a row it's a first act of a group that yes. can pretty much do no wrong like they right. are locked in such a zone that it is right. amazing so this is a perfect kind of yeah top point oh, yeah. to that ascension you know yeah at least in my opinion i think yeah. it it takes under the table and crash and takes it to the highest apex that it yeah. can get to melodically structurally musically texturally oh, everything so it's it's insane to think that um that a group like this can do something so different from, I mean, it's a little bit different from what they were doing. Uh, I would say the, di- the main difference for me is the, the vocal delivery uh, where he really, you can really feel like that angst. He's lower. Yeah. And I love that because that's the Dave that you see live. And even in, even in, you know, songs like, you know, too much mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, warehouse, where you hear like that that sweet melodic tone, the almost like peanut buttery kind of like tone in his voice, and then you hear something live, and he's really just growling and really delivering that that pain in the in the song, which is something that really resonates with me because it's 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 what people don't give him a chance on. Everybody puts him in this box of like, you know, like the Jimmy Fallon impersonation. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks that that's what he sounds like because of so much to say or whatever. And yeah. it's like, it's not really what it's, that's not what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's all these people that are like, oh, all his songs sound the same. Bullshit. Oh, Listen my gosh. to this fucking record yeah. and tell me that same thing. So, um, oh, by the way, oh, wait, the, when you turn, when you turn this way, just yeah. pull the mic a little bit like what? this way. So it's just like in front of you when you turn oh, to okay. talk to me. Yeah. Okay. Just so we don't have to go back and forth because i know we're gonna get we're gonna go crazy um i would say that in terms of lyricism i think this is his best work yeah by far well before uh, hang on before we i I didn't i was rude i didn't answer your question no you're fine best guest appearance oh yes oh my gosh yeah sorry Uh, so probably alanis on spoon alanis and then there's bella fleck with the um the banjo on multiple tracks he's on halloween he's or i'm sorry i'm not the halloween uh the stone spoon don't drink the water uh and last stop obviously at the end of that that little reprise um there's uh john dearth mm-hmm. dearth how do yeah. you say his last name dearth dearth yeah. yeah who was an original member of the band yes or not really or is he was i think he played on he the original like a, demo he was a with, close friend of dave dave did that four yeah. song uh, miller's that four song yeah. uh, uh demo with carter and yeah. Leroy. i believe john was on that where they did recently yeah. i'll back you up and yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah so he was on that and then you have the lovely ladies too on that song we won't on, mention yeah right and then um uh, longtime touring member of the band Butch Taylor. Yeah. Also right. as a guest. But at this time, Butch was a full, I mean, he was kind of a full time member of the band. It was kind of like a Tim Reynolds thing where he was basically well, working with them full time, but only really uh, 
sitting in on every song when he's live. Like they don't, they barely use them in the studio, but live so, they took them everywhere. So when you're asking me about the the guest musicianship mm-hmm. and what my favorite part of it is, are we including Tim or not? Because yeah, see that's so, the thing. It, I I guess you you'd have to put him in that, but. It, it even says at the top of this special guest, Tim Reynolds is featured on all tracks. Right. So it was like, is that a guest? <laughs> yeah. He's on every track. He's kind of thought of as a full-time you member. In I mean? fact, I know I, I think he officially is. I, you know, I, so. yeah, I have, I've always considered Tim as a full-time member because, I mean, dude, he, he knew these songs better than yeah. some of the guys that they were bringing on the road because he'd been playing acoustic shows with Dave for yeah. seven years before they started. You know, or not seven, but it was... It was early 90s, I mean, 91, 92. I mean, they were playing acoustic shows all across the country, the, the whole college tour mm-hmm. with just Dave and Tim, and it was nuts. So, But it, I would say it's, that it's his— tough to, It's tough to put him in a guest category because he's on every track. Right. So. If, I, if I have to pick one performance of his that I love, and all of his guitar work is so amazing on this mm-hmm. album, truly— uh, the solo on Crush Ugh. at the end is amazing. And, of course, they it's, the band, not only Dave oof. and Tim, when they do their duo, which we base our tribute show off of, but also yeah. live now, it's much more aggressive, which is Way, how we yeah. which is how we base it off right. of. We take the energy. Right. But on the original recording, it's very, very chill, very, very laid back. The song yeah. has evolved so much. But yes. on the recording, it's very, very laid back. And Tim is, like, dialing in this you know jazzy kind of uh west montgomery kind of jazz uh style where he's doing all these kind of tasteful octaves and bends mm-hmm. a little bit and the tone of the guitar it probably is my favorite while well, crush and crush is a flawless epic song it's not my favorite on the album but it's right. amazing in its own right yeah but in terms of tim's guitar work uh probably alongside spoon uh, with his guitar playing on that, Crush, the guitar work, if you really listen to it, is just the most tasteful, it beautiful really stuff. It's amazing. It, it just feels so nice. Yeah. That's, uh, it, and, and it's at the back end of a song, and you make it all the way through, and you think it's done, and then he's just, he grabs you again. It's it's incredible. That's the first song we played together, too, by the way, Keith and I, in January, January 5th, 2019. Crush was, was the first crush? song. It was. It was Crush, and then we did, we did Crush, and then Two Step. And then we did... Uh, Dancing Nancy's, Dancing Nancy's and Lion Are Grapes. Yeah, that's right. It was so much fun. And I remember Crush being of importance to us in the evolution of our, not just our friendship, but, our, but our, our Dave Matthews Band tribute yes. uh, alliance is that Crush means a lot to me too because outside of that first meeting, which I'm not taking yeah, of any, of, any of the importance off of that, yeah, but go, go. for me, the thing that comes to my mind is after that, when you said, I've got this spot open out back at Peggy O'Neill's, mm-hmm. and oh, I, yeah. we need to do an hour, and yeah. you want to do, however it, it came out and we communicated about it, it came to the to the arrival point that we were like, well, we'll do a Dave Matthews tribute at, that was, for that hour. Yeah, yeah. And Crush was the last song. Yeah. And that was the moment where I said, we, we got sound some. pretty darn good doing Dave Matthews band got stuff. Some here, yeah. And not that the other stuff didn't sound good, but it was Crush at that gig, which was shortly after the Troubled Waters right. uh, jam, where we did those four songs yeah. on the fly. Yeah. But and it was that moment at that gig at the end when we did Crush and got done with it. That's why Crush will always have importance in my heart when I think of our Dave Matthews band yeah. tribute. Is it was at that moment That's that I said we can do Dave Matthews band good. Yeah. Yeah. And since then we've built on so many songs. We've I mean we did a, a, a two live streams this year. Where we pulled out a lot of deep cuts yeah 
and little stuff like that. So if you anyway, so if you enjoy yeah. the band, you know, come hang out with us. It's it's a fun time. We put on a good show. Sometimes I lay on the ground. You know, it's a good 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 show. So um, so the li- where were we here? Sorry, I got I, I, was, I got a soft way off on it. No no no, you're fine. I was just I was saying about we were we were talking about Tim being considered a guest even though he's oh. on all the tracks. So uh, next there's another so my next question is so obviously there's a big discrepancy. Um, not in terms of quality, just just the overall difference in sound when you hear them live and when you hear the studio stuff. So I have one in mind, but I want to see if ours is the same. Is there a song that you hear on this record that's not necessarily worse on the studio, but is there a song on this record that you enjoy hearing live just because it's a whole new energy? So when I think of this record, um, one song that sticks out, and I'll kind of do a roundabout way of saying this. So there are certain songs that live, it's not that they were recorded badly. Mm-hmm. It, it's nothing to do with the quality of the song. It's just there's something in the way that it is presented live and then cataloged through a live album or through the reputation it gets as a live number in the set consistently, if it's not a rare cut, that it becomes its own thing live and you almost forget about the studio version as if it ever existed. I think of I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows the live version. Yeah. No one thinks of the studio version. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get a little bit deeper, uh, our our brother that we love so much, uh, Alfonso, would probably appreciate this, uh, Given to Fly by yeah. Pearl Jam. Yeah. The version on Yield is beautiful, mm-hmm. but live, they play it Whole at new. a tempo with mm-hmm. the crowd involvement, the way Eddie sings the vocal in a much more emotive kind of aggressive way versus yeah. a very kind of mellow way there. Um, and even a band that you might not love all that much, but somebody <laughs> like your dad might appreciate yeah. is, is some yeah. of the early, like uh, the, the kiss material, yeah. you know, the, the early versions of those kiss songs, even, you know, rock and, rock and roll, roll all night, night even, yeah. you know, that's why the, the studio version what? is, yeah. <laughs> is nothing compared to the live version. Yeah. So when I look at this, as much as I think it's a okay recording, uh, don't drink the water. Ding, it is ding, is ding, baby. way 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 different. I knew it. Yeah, I knew it's, it. It's a little faster. <laughs> Dave sings it more aggressive. There's more thump in it. Everything oh, about that, it that that yeah. big oh yeah. that big drop in there. there. There's no man. Like if you said to somebody, they generally like to open shows. Uh, no, I mean they open with all numbers of things. Oh yeah, but yeah. don't drink the water is probably one of the more common openers. If have you, you heard that as an opener? Yeah, well, I was going to say my first show ever seen. Day really? don't drink the water was the wow. opener. And but if you showed that, if you said, oh, you should listen to this. This is what they open a lot of their shows with, yeah, and they yeah, listen yeah. to the studio version. Yeah. They'd be like, really? It sounds kind of limp. It sounds kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, right, you know, right. whatever. Very but pointy, it's like the juice yeah. harpy kind of feel to it. Right. You know, like, yeah. But yeah. It, it's even like if you put on, and this isn't even a great example because. 10 is perfect by Pearl Jam, but mm-hmm. when you listen to like Even Flow, it's mm-hmm. great. It, it's yeah, it's not bad at all, but live, the whole thing just elevates to a momentous yeah. level of energy. Yeah. And it's kind of like that with Don't Drink the Water. I mean, when you listen to any live version of it post 98 and then listen to the studio version, there's no comparison. It's, what do yeah, you say about it? I Well, it's to me, it's just I, I've, I grew up on Live at Central Park. Mm-hmm. That was the first live record that my friend gave me because he was like, "Look, I know you're not into like the whole deep cut thing and like not knowing the songs or whatever. So, here's here's something where like they do a lot of recognizable stuff. They do a lot of songs they play a lot live, so you'll probably recognize it. I mean, and 
in the very beginning of the record, I was like, what is, you know, what's going? it's just like four minutes of cheering and applause and mm-hmm. just raucous going on in New York, in New York City. And I remember that immediate drop of that, right when they go into that, mm-hmm. the baritone sax in that and that heavy bass drum and that drop D right into it. And it just immediately just hooks you. And even like when they go through like a, in, in, I've seen them 13 times. I've seen Don't Drink the Water probably it's it's up there. Yeah. In terms of some it's of always the, gonna more be, of right. most popular. Which right. is not a problem. I I enjoy that song every time I hear yeah. it because it's such a powerful and emotive song and Dave always gets real gritty and just real intense with it. It's the it's thumping in the background. It's 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 amazing. So I forget where I was going with this, but I because I, I just get so excited with it that. Sounds but really it, oh, good live. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Uh, when they hit a lull in the set, not a lull, but when they do like a couple ballads, mm-hmm. maybe like on the back end of like uh, "Lover Lay Down" sure. or "Here On Out" or or you know maybe on the back end of a big jam song, something too. Yeah. yeah, something like that, where it, it just comes right back in with "Don't yeah. Drink the Water." It's like, oh my god, yeah, I love. And I, I love that. And I think for good reason. That's why they go to it a lot for an opener and why I even appreciate it a lot when we open our sets with it mm-hmm. in the Tribute Act is that it just rolls into a groove that is easy to fall into yes. that is good for starting out a gig. Absolutely. Yeah. So if there is a song from this record that you – so I do, I, we deal with this a lot <laughs> being the Tribute Act is a lot of people will say like, Man, I don't I don't like Dave Matthews at all. Yeah. But you guys are Oh, we get cool. that a lot. We get it a yeah. lot. It's not just one person. I, I like to think it's, that without exaggerating it, we've we've turned quite a few people onto Dave Matthews. I think band. so. Yeah. I think so. And I think that, you know, a lot of people just don't give it a fair shake because much like your favorite artist yeah. at home, uh, the best stuff that is from that artist is not on the radio. Yeah. It's not easily accessible. It in order to do a, a an appropriate deep dive on an artist that you love you need to listen to an album top to bottom and feel the experience and just take yourself through that and listen to all the deep cuts and all the stuff that didn't make the radio and all the different stories and everything like that, not necessarily the poppy, punchy, you know, funky rhythms that are going to be on the radio. So I always say to people that this album specifically is what I show them if they don't, if they're kind of like, nah, he's not really... Yeah, he's not really that good because I think there's something for everybody on this record. In other words, don't judge this album off stay. Wasting no, time. no. <laughs> please don't. Do That's that. all I'll say about that yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's my satellite of. of yeah, oh, this. yeah. I've told you that, right? The satellite story. There's been a couple satellite stories, but what one are you thinking of? I was at. It was. This was at the best. Uh, was it jazz? Was the satellite thing Friday night or Saturday night? Do you remember? The sat the the girl that was behind us when she was like I hope they play satellite was that Friday night or Saturday night, do you remember? Okay, I can't remember either. So, Jasmine and I were at West Palm Beach in 2019, right? That was when we had concerts back, uh, and it was I think it was the Saturday show, and it was no Friday night. I'm sorry, it was Friday night. Mm-hmm. So he's going into Watchtower as the last song, and the place is going bananas. I've not heard Watchtower live uh, in a few shows. Okay. So I'm like, all right, this is this is great. And uh, Jasmine's there to experience this. And I'm like, this is one of my favorite songs to play. You've heard me do this a ton of times. Now you get to see the real shit. 
and the girl behind us goes, I hope he plays Satellite tomorrow. Oh, I'll yeah. be so mad. I'm like, yeah. can you appreciate what is about to happen? If you want to listen to Satellite, turn on turn on the radio, man. Well, I was at a <gasps> I was at the uh, Tampa show, and you know we sound like uppity Dave fans. We're not. We're just having I, a laugh at yeah. people who because it is a very it <laughs> is very much a just a experience. It is where it a is. lot of people come just to be with their friends and to you know maybe imbibe yeah. a little bit, you know, oh. some cocktails and mm. tailgate and have fun and and maybe some of, some yeah. of them know a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And we were sitting. This was 2010, I believe. We were sitting there, and I happened to be at the end of the group we were with, and there was this couple next to me, and. All she requested after every song was, when are they going to play Crash Into Me? Oh, Crash. Crash Into Me. Crash Into Me. (laughs) And it got to the point of being ridiculous. She was determined that they were going to play Crash Into Me. And I I do actually, I I believe they did about three quarters through the set. Thank God. You know, so it ended. Uh, but it's just funny how you, to go along with your story yeah, that there are some people who are very radio friendly, Dave, and it's stay yeah. and it's satellite and it's yeah. crash into me and it's what would you say and you know which I will say stuff. because of how funky it gets in the bridge, stay is probably the one where I enjoy the most live. Yeah, but it's it. I I have this question on here and I don't even why I don't even know why Uh-oh. I put it on here, but I I ask uh I was, I was typing up some stuff to. Uh, ask you today about the record. I said, if you had a one song you could throw out on this record, what would it be? Forever. You can never listen to it again. Oh, pro- well, here's the thing. I mean, it, they're all great songs. If I could put the live version of Don't Drink the Water on here, that would far mm-hmm. outweigh to me uh, for our, uh, yeah. satisfaction kind of, yep. from a satisfaction standpoint, I would throw out the studio version of Don't Drink the Water. But if I couldn't replace it with the live version, I mean, I, I wouldn't miss Stay, yeah. to be honest. You yeah. know, it's yeah. just a thing. You know, yeah. I've, I've heard it so much. It was on the radio all the time. Oh, and it just, so much. Yeah. and I heard it live so yeah. much. I'm yeah. just, it's one of those songs where unfairly it is kind of, become that thing that I'm just so burnt out on that I could go for a very, very long time, maybe forever. And again, there's, I love the guitar breakdown in the middle of stay. I love when live, as long as it's not the last song of the night. Oh yeah. (laughs) I love when they go crazy at the end and they're constantly Mm -hmm. repeating the line over and Carter and you know, all of them are vibing. It's great, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it's just something about that song, much like satellite. It's right in that group (laughs) too. You know, I, I just, if I never hear them again, I'm not going to be all that broken up about it. Um, But every artist that one loves has got a song in the repertoire that you're like, Oh, of uh, course, you know, of course the one that you're like, don't talk about it. We don't talk about that song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you have a favorite lyric? piece off of this because there's a lot oh, of gosh. there's a lot of really good ones so th- th- this album is uh oh god where do you even oh, start with this this album is so a heavy lot. lyrically yes and it, it, it's not that it's overly ambiguous and there is also a lot of on dave's part and mm-hmm. i don't know if he's probably being a little bit ambiguous too but you know he's yes. putting a lot of religious imagery in there uh-huh. but that doesn't mean that all the songs have a religious kind of a no bent to them it's just that it's kind of how he's choosing to tell the story is referencing some things here or there right. you know i look at if you don't mind me going on for a sec you know so there are the fun songs you know rapunzel's mm-hmm. just a a, a, a salty yeah. sultry love song oh, yeah. about you know dirty wanting song. to yeah, yeah well, to rich, get some but... dirty love right <laughs> and you've got crush which is a much more kind of 
sophisticated yeah. kind of you know really yeah. elegant kind of love song it's about, it's about just and, loving and women yeah and you've got stay which is just your you know summertime you know yeah. we're hanging out we're yeah. grilling we're you know we're drinking yeah. we're we're hanging out you know life is good that's you know right. we're that's right you know it's your typical kind of summertime song now outside of those then it gets really kind of heavy very dark so now when i look at the songs here what stands out to me um Probably, you know, what's funny is Don't Drink the Water is something that lyrically doesn't hit me as much, mm-hmm. only just because I love the groove of it. Yeah. I love the sound of the words and the vocal, yeah. you know, and I, it, it's not that it's not hard to connect with the the imagery of, you know, um, the in environmentalism and um, obviously uh, references to Native Americans mm-hmm. and other things that go on in that song that are of whoops. a deep level. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, oh. No, I was saying oh, whoops in yeah. terms of uh, what happened. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay. So... <laughs> You know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in that song, but I don't. It doesn't connect with me lyrically, just because, as many songs do with people, you you like the the rolling of the words. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We said in the other um, we said in the other uh, podcast that we did that you know sometimes it's okay even if it's a a deep song that the lyricist really put a lot of attention into. It's yeah. not your typical "I love you, you're yeah. so great" song. Of course. You know, Neil Peart said, look, you know, I'm writing this heavy duty song, mm-hmm. you know, that is very personal to me. And if uh, somebody comes up and says, you know, I heard one line in it, but it was just the sound of the words with the way Getty melodicizes it or yeah, the way that right. it comes across, I'm okay. You know, you know, somebody else will pay attention to all the lyrics, you know, and it's okay. Right. You know, yes, it might be something uh, that's a very important message or something that is deeply personal to me. Of course. That happened in my life. Yeah. Or I'm just yeah. writing about something, you know, yes. much like Dave was writing about the Native Americans and Don't yes. Drink the Water. Yes. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that the message wasn't presented in a, in a uh, very articulate or deep way. It just means that the way the song hits me, mm-hmm. I, I just like the way that the lyrics roll. I like the way that the voice sounds singing those words. I like mm-hmm. the groove. So Don't Drink the Water is more just an overall feeling or okay. ambiance that I get. So okay. I dis- I uh, exclude that one from okay. it. So then you're left with, you know, some really heavy, heavy songs, okay? Yeah, a bunch of heavy. So now I guess I'll take out next is is Halloween, okay? So mm-hmm. Halloween is supposedly, if you believe it, is part two of the Julia Gray trilogy, which begins with I'll Back You Up, and then goes, to Hall- goes to Halloween, well, Halloween and, and then, then Gray, Gray Street. Street. So Sorry, yeah. for those that don't know, yeah. and not that we have any authority on it, but supposedly this in the late 80s into the very early 90s, um, around into the time when remember two things I think was uh-huh. getting recorded is that he was in a long-term relationship with this woman named mm-hmm. Julia and proposed the legend is three times. I heard, I, I've heard five, yeah. but yeah. And yeah. she just kept turning him down. <laughs> yeah. So he originally wrote I'll back you up as a love song to her. Now it got recorded eventually mm-hmm. for remember two things, but the origins of when it was written could have been farther back because yeah. I believe it's the first song he ever technically I think, sort of wrote I think as a complete piece. I, I think I read that, that that's the first song he right, ever wrote. And right. Now you hear that and you're like, how is this possible? Yeah, right. Are that's you fucking the first song serious? That comes out on yeah, that's guitar. the first yeah. thing that you write on a fucking guitar yeah, is I that shit. I know. You gotta be kidding me. I mean yeah. it's not even fair, man. Yeah. You hear that and you're like, okay, well I better give up now. <laughs> so so Josh says five. Uh I say three. We'll go with four. We'll go four. four. We'll say four. Yeah. So he was turned down four times, so then it turns to Halloween, which is this very fuck aggressive you. fuck yeah. you song, just truly 
So the vitriol in it is just, I mean, Dave, love as hell. Dave scowl, um, kind of is in the scowling kind of vicious form. He's screaming so much. It almost, and I don't say this to make light of it or to make people laugh at it, but it's almost verging on not parody, but I mean, he is, he is growling and screaming with such intensity through portions of that at the end of the studio recording that you're like, it's almost like, is he for real? Like it's got so much uh, intensity to it. You almost think he's overdoing it just to kind of overdo it for overdoing its sake. But you know, it, it, it's kind of a real heavy fu song, and then Those are my and then it carries over <laughs> into Gray Street, which is just amazing, right? And kind of more of a somber, reflective piece on yeah. we being assume he's writing middle. about Julia yeah. and then being called, yeah. So yeah, so I kind of take Halloween out of it just because I mean I can relate to it, but it's such an angry piece. Like we all can relate to being that angry in our lives or having a doomed relationship or something fall apart. But yep. but lyrically. <laughs> <laughs> but but lyrically, it's not going to go to the top. Okay, so okay. we cut that one out as well. Okay. So we've got Last Stop, which is yeah. such an immensely, uh, deeply lyrical piece about war and religion and the ties of religion right. to war it's and the conflict amazing. that's brought out from you know waging war when religion is central to that uh, war yeah. and all of that. Oh, and yeah. and, oh, and yeah. I know that... Uh, I found this on the web. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, she's researching. Hey. She's researching what you said. Yeah, and Be I remember careful. I remember She's you listening. telling me a, a funny <laughs> joke. Uh, if I if you don't mind me interjecting uh, Jasmine into this, that she said musically meh, but lyrically amazing. Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. how it went, or tell me more? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said, "Should we listen to it again in the car?" She goes, "You know, I've told you that this isn't my favorite." Right? I'm like, "Yeah, but just the story though. It's, it's that so Egyptian good. scale. Yeah, yeah, it's that snake charmer kind of vibe." Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. All right, so... So that... Oh, so I'm going, I'm going. So that leaves me with, we've got the stone, the dreaming tree, pig, and spoon. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. So, and all of these are great, and all have their immense qualities lyrically, mm-hmm. but we're just trying to mm-hmm. get it down to what is the best here. So the stone is... It's got to be right up there. Oh. So I'm thinking, look, people, like you say, it's it's semi-ambiguous. You can take it however yeah, you want. That, that's there, my there's, next question. There's a little this. bit of religious imagery, but really, I don't take it like that. I take no. it as... Love and the regret and mistakes and forgiveness that you have to kind of um, be um, re- you have to re- be able to be receptive to mm-hmm. to make a relationship work long term. So I kind of think of it as you know a beautiful, beautiful lyric about maintaining love through a bad deed that's been done and yeah. channeling forgiveness sure. and. Sure. And learning to overcome mistakes uh, by somebody in a relationship. So that song will always mean a lot to me lyrically. I love that one. Of course, Pig is the carpe diem, kind of sees the day. I love it. You know, so, don't, yeah. don't fritter your time away. Don't waste things, you know. Yeah. Don't be... Uh, don't look ahead enough to assume that there's something after this existence, right? Yeah. You're on this stage that's called life. There's no encore. So enjoy every moment. Get the most out of every day. But at the same time, you Oof. know, but but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't, don't be, you know, don't be greedy with the planet. Don't be, you know, you, right. there's a lot of different messages in there. You know, right. love every day, live every day to its fullest, but also right. respect the planet that you're on and all of that That's good stuff. That's a common stuff. theme in a lot of his yeah. songs. Yeah, the, the respect, respectfulness of, and, of nature and realizing where we came from. Right, and like that. Yeah. absolutely. And yeah. then there's Spoon, which... Yeah. 
Look, Beautiful. if you want to talk about religious imagery, there's Ooh. a lot in there, and I don't is even. Is there? I have. I actually I, haven't. I looked feel at... there is. Yeah, I feel there okay. is, and but I don't take it as a religious song. I love the vibe and the melancholy in the song. I take it as kind of a message that resonates with me, that connects with kind of neglect, abandonment. You know. Oh, you're uh, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm reading the lyrics. Oh no, now. it's okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but I don't treat it like Booty. that. Even if yeah. that's where Dave was going with it, I think right. of it as just you know finding your way out of feeling abandoned or neglected or depressed and kind of just just kind of theorizing on what is there, you know, is there something else out there, yeah. trying to work through the darkness, trying to laugh about it. Right. And it was a song that meant a lot to me, especially when this came out, you know, going through college and being mm-hmm. on my own and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling very alone, very isolated up in yeah, Boston at the course. start, you know, before I got acclimated. It took a little time. So yeah. I listened to this song a lot. So I would say lyrically my favorite is oh, – oh, we didn't even touch on the Dreaming Tree, yeah. right? Which is, you know, the, yeah. the passing of time, oh, lost opportunities possibly if you want to look at it that, that way. That gives me, gives yeah. me the goosebumps Wait, every single time. I need time. you to go on about all this in a moment. So I would say yeah. probably – oh, boy. I guess if you want me to say lyrically what do I look at and kind of study those lyrics and they immediately less ambiguous, more like just right at me, probably the dreaming tree lyrics are probably the most hit the heart immediately. It's wild. uh, Song that there is. It's wild. And so I'll try. I'm done. Now you tell me. I'll try not to get emotional talking about that song, but it wrecks me when it's, I mean, a story of it feels to me like an apology mm-hmm. of I'm sorry what we did I'm sorry how we're going to leave this for you yeah. there's nothing I could have done yeah. I'm sorry and then when you realize you sit underneath the tree that is no longer there that you know you don't have the company there anymore either right. daddy come quick you know yeah. um, dreaming tree has died you know whatever yeah. but and also from the this is that's the lyrics that gave the title to the album which standing there uh before these uh, yeah. long before these crowded streets here stood my dreaming tree uh below it he would sit hours at a time you yeah. know yeah and it uh it always gets me and this is one i've been chasing like a motherfucker for years well that's I, that, that's the stone for me i've uh, never seen the stone live i got I've, the stone last year i've seen the dreaming tree twice um yeah you have yeah yeah, but I've, the stone I've not, and you have, so you yeah. know we're always chasing a song. Yeah, I'm always I'm always chasing one. Dreaming Tree is one. Cry Freedom is one, yeah. uh, which is famously that they just don't do. Right. Um, and so going back to the stone with the lyrics, so th- this is kind of an interesting thing because I take what you will from these lyric interpretation sites, but sometimes you read something and it just sticks with you, mm-hmm. and this is just what you've what I've always believed. But I've always thought of the stone now this is this is kind of a legend now early in their playing career in the band dave's sister ashley uh ashley is the one that was murdered uh no ann i want to say ann ann was murdered by her husband and then it was a Mm murder-suicide i've always thought in reading the stone and feeling it and seeing him and the way it's a, just kind of a very dark minor feel to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's what that is about. Sure. And there's hints to it in terms of, um, uh, you know, 
far from that fool's mistake of like turn back the clock and do it all over again and yeah. and he's pleading for her to come back in some sort of spiritual way and i was just wondering if you'd come along hold my head up yeah yeah and it uh it always hit me like that because you know my sister and i always say have a very close relationship so his his family ties are always like that in the sense of uh you know obviously sister is one shotgun another one Mm -hmm. big one and then uh and and the stone too and the funny thing about the stone is not really funny just just an interesting tidbit on me anytime somebody tells me that they don't like him or they think he's too quirky or weird Mm -hmm. or whatever if there's a song that i introduce dave introduce to somebody to like if i'm if i'm throwing them to the wolves i go that song right off the bat i was like this is you're gonna get a little bit of everything that they do yeah in six and a half minutes or seven minutes and it's it's got that percussive guitar yeah it's got the 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 droning uh you know bass behind it very uh or droning uh baritone sax behind it it's got the the coupled with like stefan's marvelous play i mean like he is unsung as one of the best I, I mean, low-end dudes in, in, in the game. I mean, he's incredible. You know, what's interesting, too, is that when you think of the stone, and I'm not saying, I'm not tooting our, our own horn or anything. I, I think we do a, a admirable job playing it. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the sense of, you know, like I, I, I'm saying, like, I think we, we play it to a good level. I think that any yeah. gay fan would listen to it and go, yeah. they do a good job with that song, yeah. right? We've gotten compliments But I will say, before, though, sure. that unlike crush or or don't drink the water mm-hmm. or you know some of the others off this album that we play and what's funny is you know the stone really you know when you take away some of the stuff that carter does that disguises that it really is just a, a like a six eight waltz yes but he plays things in weird spots that make you almost right. feel like you're it's off the beat like the or record it, skipping right right yeah. right right you know so there are harder things to pull off with changing time signatures and and mm-hmm. things of that nature, mm-hmm. but still with the stone essentially for its running time, never leaving the you know one two three four five yeah. six one two. Right. It's one of the most tricky songs for us to pull off because there's just something about the structure of the song, mm-hmm. the dynamics of the song, mm-hmm. and the way that the vocal sits on top of the guitar. Oh yeah. That if you don't do it just right. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a mess, even though you're right. very much know the parts. But if yeah. they get off just a little bit, and yeah. it's one of those songs where it's hard to translate it to two guitars in a way. Mm-hmm. And I listen to Dave and Tim do it, and they do a great job. But it's just yeah. one of those songs that when you play it, maybe it's because there's no drums against yeah. all of that rhythm or yeah. whatnot, that it, <laughs> you have to be very careful because yeah. if you get a little too rambunctious with it or overdo it at all, it really hurts the song you yeah. have to be very in the pocket with that song i have song. a hard time hiding my mistakes with that song because there, there's a that that switch and that stretch from those first two notes always kind of gets me from that that a string and and back up to the g string from like a, a little like a jump like that it always it always fucks with me when we when we lead off with that song yeah it's a very good gauge of how well i'm gonna play that night uh. because it's it now this is kind of my next question too so the stone took me a year of constant mm-hmm. playing repetition and singing and doing it. I have an old voice note on my phone from, do, from doing it and learning it. It took me at least a, sorry, at least a full year. 
Yeah. I just apologized to my microphone. I've had a little <laughs> too much bourbon. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Are you okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that took me the longest to learn, and it's it's it, 100% for me the most challenging to do behind singing because there are difficult songs on here. Like Pig has a weird uh, stretch in there too, and that like a lot of the the walk downs from the A to G sharp, and then that right. that whole thing. It's it's against the vocal delivery of it, so it makes it a little bit funky. If you're if you're playing by yourself, you can get away with it, but that's why I would love to do that one together. But it's I always I always think I'm gonna fuck it up, so I don't do mm. it. Like Dreaming Tree, you can kind of do. You don't need to do that intro. Stay is really difficult to do mm-hmm. for me. Um, and the last stop is also very difficult. Rapunzel, I actually know how to play. I just mm-hmm. don't know how to piece it together because oh. it, all the parts are always different. Yeah. And um, but the stone, in terms of uh, playing it and singing it at the same time, was probably not only one of the most challenging songs that I do that I know that I'm proud of that I know, but it's also it's it's just so rewarding to finally dive into a song fully like that mm-hmm. and know that you can tackle something like that in his catalog that's like that because a lot of the guys that do dave matthews they do satellite with those you know with those stretches which are tough stretches but they'll do that they'll do like ants marching and just mm-hmm. do like g to d right and i'm like there's a whole thing in yeah. there you're missing bud you know or they do the they do crush with the closed things instead of doing it in the drop d they, right, they'll right. do it in the you know fga whatever they uh whatever they do with that and then a lot of a lot of people that cover his stuff don't really do the stone which is why i love that we do that as well because it's it's such a like prominent live song i mean live at red rocks when they open with the stone is just like it it immediately sets the tone for the whole night yeah you know that i don't think that was the opening song of the the weekend a a highlight of but it was a the collection from all five right yes yeah yeah yeah. um but it it was it, it was always uh a rewarding feeling to me to to tackle some of those deeper cuts that the fans will really appreciate so do you have a do you have like a a song on here that or or in his catalog at all that is was like really challenging to you that when you got done you're like man this is gonna this is gonna kill or like oh my gosh (laughs) well off this album um yeah, I'm, well, I don't think we've ever we rehearsed Rapunzel, but we've yeah, never played never it. Did. That one was tricky because you don't have the drums, so yeah. we both have to be counting consistently yep. in eleven eight, yeah, all the time, <laughs> and making sure that we stay with one another. I can't count that high after some apple juice. Yeah, you yeah know what so, I mean? all right. Um, Hi, Lewis. When we when we worked <laughs> up for Silver King, when we did the Dreaming Tree, that oh, had, yeah. that had some interesting parts I, in it. That I was like kind of tricky. Yeah, yeah it was good though. It came off well, but it is weird. Yeah, that's in the seven eight uh, time frame from a lot of it, and then it goes into kind of a, a, a lilting kind of uh, four four. Yeah, you know, for oh my God. but but the beginning yeah. and all the verses and everything are in seven eight. That was a tricky one to learn. Yeah. Um. What else? Um. Yeah. There, there, I mean, there's so many right that are yeah. that are tricky and weird time signatures. I mean, the stone is always like I say unique because you have to really not overplay it mm-hmm. and you have to stay completely in time with one another. And a lot of times, both guitars are doing the the boom, da, 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 yeah. da, da, you know that yeah. kind of rhythm, and you have right. to be locked in with that. I love those higher harmonies that you do when when we play that live. Yeah, too. That that's a lot of fun. So I got nice. that from Tim. Tim did that at. Yeah. Um, which live album was it? Or maybe I listened to a bootleg. But yeah, he went up a, a fifth, an yeah. interval of a fifth, and started on the A note and did that, that yeah. harmony that I do with you. And yeah. I always thought that was very unique. Yeah, and I, I just want to say real quick, I was looking at this too, and one thing that shouldn't be overlooked is, you know, we look at Leroy over there. 
you know, I listened to this album today. Oh, God, yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is that you listen to a song that is so aggressively funky. Now, that mm. doesn't mean the band's overplaying or, or being too uh, on top of everything. But just in general, the energy of a song like Rapunzel mm-hmm. is very kind of, you know, it pops and it's in your face and it, you know, it really builds and builds yeah. as it goes along. So you get to that end sax solo Ugh. and you know, nuts and you know, look, you could play that thing and rightfully so because every player plays with their own version of expression and, yes. and the way they think it out and the way their voice is. And certainly every great musician, you know, they might play Rapunzel one way, one night and one way, the other night. So I'm just thinking of it uh, in a saxophonist mind, you know, putting it down in the studio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Leroy could have gone completely aggressive. I listened to that and it's the most silky smooth, beautifully um, kind of delicate sax line over such an aggressive song. And then I also hear him playing the beautiful sax lines on the stone Mm -hmm. and then the flute lines on dreaming tree. Oh man. And, and even some of the stuff that he does uh, interweaving with like the guitar. um, I I think it's in spoon, Yeah. you know, and I'm not, saying this to be corny as I just think of it in my head right now, but it's, I think it's true is that you, you realize that every guitar, every piano, every saxophone, you know, everybody that brings something to one of those instruments bring a violin, you know, Mm -hmm. brings their own style and a great player can tap into different emotions per performance. You know, if, if we're playing, you know, crush, you know, you might be more aggressive the way we do the engine oh, yeah. one night. We yeah. might play it a little bit more low key yeah. another night or whatever. Right. It's all, it's all about it's the feel all of just the, night. the feel yeah. of the night and mm-hmm. what the crowd is doing and all of yeah. that. But oh, yeah. in general, it really made me appreciate listening to this, how much Leroy was a delicate sax player. Oh. Because what I think about is <laughs> what I think about is you're going to laugh at this, but I think you'll get where I'm going with this is yeah, that I think Leroy I on the saxophone you know, I listen to this whole album, and then I think about seeing him live too, which I know, yeah. sadly, you were not able I, to do. I didn't. I never got a chance to see him. No, but yeah. he was—he could play aggressive and yeah. strident, and you know, very, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, and really saw his way through mm-hmm. those solos, and it was great. But in general, he was a much more delicate player. He was, and I think of him com- compared to Coffin, Coffin. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I listen to this album, and it's such a testament to the way that he. The way that he approached the saxophone, he was like, if you think of it like love, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's approaching that saxophone like he's laying back. It's like he's yeah. he's he's caressing your neck. Uh-huh. He's giving you a soft kiss on the yeah. back of the neck, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he's yeah. he's like the breath in the ear. He's like very gentle. <laughs> Coffin, on Jeff the other is, hand, Jeff is he's coming in, from the ripping your yeah. clothes off and <laughs> fucking your brains out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Coffin is, but it, it, but it made me appreciate though how much Leroy is yeah. of that delicate nature and how much Coffin, uh, as 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 lightly as Coffin plays in in certain spots, he's, he's a, a more aggressive player. And maybe you, that comes from teaming up with Rashawn because Rashawn can be very aggressive on the trumpet oh, too. Of course. So maybe just the way that they interact, it leads yeah, Jeff, it just right, leads him to be right. a little bit more aggressive and strident Something. on the sax. But I listen to Leroy on all of this and I go, the dude just caressed the saxophone. Yeah, he did. Like, he really it, did. He just, it's such a nice touch. I mean, yeah. he's got his his touch with everything is just so insane. And it, it really it gave me goosebumps, even though I never saw him live, just knowing that he was on Come Tomorrow. And they mm-hmm. saved some of his recordings, and then you hear it on like "Idea of You" that he was a, a big part of. It's right. just, it's, it's gotta be 
it's got to be such an unbelievable experience to be so close to somebody and then they pass away and then they're like, but wait, yeah. we still have stuff that he did that we haven't done yet. And then you hear it in the studio like he's there with you. Yeah. That's got to be just an unreal feeling, man. It's It's got to be so surreal. And that's the power of music and the power of technology. Thank yeah. God we had something that could that could capture it and, you know, keep it for six, seven, eight years, however long it was when they first laid that down. But it, uh, I always, I always laugh when you talk about coffin because when you said, and by the way, said, just a maestro virtuoso oh, yeah. player. He's I nuts. mean, I'm not, he's, yeah, yeah. I'm not it's just a different style than Leroy. That's all I'm style, saying. Yeah. But the thing, the way you described him in, in the beginning of our relationship was what I say. You said, uh, uh-oh. Jeff is a honker, <laughs> and it always, it always makes me laugh for whatever reason yeah. when you say like, yeah, he's not. Lori wasn't really a honker like, like yeah. Jeff is. Yeah, it always Jeff honks me that up. sax a little oh, bit yeah. more. Honks yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. yeah, he's that's a very good way to put it. He is, uh, he's aggressively banging you. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not anything as smooth as Leroy. Yeah. He 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 he'll, he'll play smooth, mm. you know, periodically. Oh yeah, yeah. But his role in the band or his voice on the saxophone seems to be one that's of a little bit more m- kind of musical yeah. aggressiveness than yeah. what Leroy was. Yeah, and, and Rashawn, maybe their personalities and the way they right. were as people. You Rashawn, know, Rashawn gets shit for that all the time too. I see in the forums and the fan pages and everything like oh, he's got to stop blowing the, the screeching on the, on the trumpet. So on the trumpet like, yeah, it's like, but yeah, that that's the whole thing. Like Leroy was trying to assemble a horn section. So he didn't have to do it all himself. Yeah. He's getting all these different t- styles of players and 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 people and feels to the song. He's if you had three Leroy Moores, I mean, like, there's no difference in just having yeah. one. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know. So he's he's doing something completely different. So I'm going to throw it at you. Hit me. I, I'm I'm taking this over for Uh-oh. a moment. So as New a drummer, host. as a drummer, yeah. What is your favorite Carter Bulford performance on this album? So this is kind of this is kind of a loaded <laughs> question because. I actually have not ever played on the drums any Dave Matthews songs. Okay. None. I've never played them. I don't know why. I don't know how. But I got into listening to them after I had a drum set. And I'm more of like a traditional like rock and roll, like 2-4 kind of drummer. Yeah. And I'll kind of throw in some some polyrhythmic stuff and some triplets and whatever mm-hmm. and like rolls and and just simple basic stuff. I I don't do anything flashy on the drums. Carter does some insane shit on the drums. I would say that the most what people can't see is we've got five guys staring right back at us on the back cover, right? <laughs> yeah, like we're looking I know. down here. We got, I know. We got all looking, five of them staring right at, at us. He's looking at me as like say yeah. some motherfucker. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say that the most difficult song to probably play would be Rapunzel just because yeah. it's that constant cha- I mean the counting is just so nuts I mean I I do it in the car like I'll like tap my left hand when I'm trying when I think the snare is coming right it's like nope yeah it's, look, Carter does this really ridiculous thing where he always he always has he's got a s- very similar style of playing does that open hand style because he's left handed mm-hmm. he's it I think he's is he left handed or does uh, he just play open oh, okay I think the story was is that he, when he was young, he was right-handed, but set up his kit left-handed style. Open, because he so, just leaves right. everything. So he yeah. became pretty much ambidextrous yeah. from a young age. So I would... Uh, I mean, actually, let me take that back. Oh. I just I had to think about it for a second. 
I think my favorite uh, versus most difficult. I still think Rapunzel is probably most difficult. I think my favorite live mm-hmm. is Crush. Yeah. The, right at the end when he's yeah, soloing. That, yeah, that stuff at the end when he's just going ape shit from the whatever. Yeah. yeah, with the breakdown, I would say that that's probably that's probably my favorite that he does, and it, the fact that he's just sitting there just blowing gum, blowing bubbles, and smiling, yeah. chewing gum, just having the fucking time of his life. Right. I, I, you know, I, I, I really do enjoy watching him play, and I, I, I he's one of those guys. Like I'm sure you have guitar players like this mm-hmm. too. He's one of those guys that I watch, and I just I don't want to figure out how to play like yeah. that. I just sit and I I just enjoy it. Absolutely, you know, I just enjoy it. I don't want I don't like with Dave when I see him play. I'm like, what's he doing? You know, mm. like I'm constantly analyzing like his finger placements and like I songs that I'm kind of like halfway like Drunken Soldier for example. Mm-hmm. I I went in I went on a dive yesterday. And I was like, I gotta figure out what he's doing yeah. for that thing because no one tabs it correctly. So I go and I look and I'm watching his fingers and everything like that, but. With Carter, I don't do that. I just listen and I just enjoy it. I can kind of pick up a little things like what he's doing, but I'm nowhere near his level of. I mean, not even fucking close. And it's it's hard. It was hard for me playing uh, in a in a duo setting with guys that uh, played drums because one of my favorite bands and my most influential bands was a guy that was very hard to copy on the drums. Yeah. So it's. It's. I've dealt with so many guys where it's just like, eh, I can't really. Well, you I can't know, really do that. So, it, it, not that this is a band that's in your wheelhouse. Not because you're not aware of them. It's just you might not listen to them regularly. But that could go along with the the same mode of thinking as a guitar player is that if you're in a duo and you become a a Dire Straits cover band. Oh my God. You know, you can yeah. you. It's like trying to cover Carter on the drums. You yeah. know, you yeah. can't cover Knopfler on Nuts. the guitar because he yeah. plays a very distinctive way yeah. and you just come off trying no matter how good you are yeah. because if you don't play the exact way which Knopfler does which is totally against technique and against the rules yes and you you almost feel like you just want to sit back and enjoy them, but you don't want to touch the material because right. there's nothing you're going to do on an acoustic guitar, for example, if it was an acoustic duo, no. that is going to sound remotely like what Knopfler does. So you just come off yeah. trying, no matter right. how good you are or how much you have command of the material, yeah. because Knopfler doesn't use a pick. You know, he moves his thumb really? back and forth. Oh, oh, yeah. He basically plays guitar like you hold a hammer. Huh. You know, he, he, he plays like a finger here and a thumb here. Wow. And he does all of that with that. It's, it's pretty That's amazing. There's strange. a new blues guitar player, uh, Jared James Nichols, who does the same thing. Okay. And some of these guys just have the most unorthodox techniques, but it, it leaves you in kind of a bind when you're covering them. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't, can't, you can't make it that. sound like mm-hmm. it's supposed to. So I can imagine as a yeah. drummer, you know, you're trying to copy Carter or do some of his riffs. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, to, not at all. To not do, at all. So. Anyways. Okay, I got a couple more sure. questions for sure. you. Um, I think you already answered it before I really got a chance to ask, but The Stone is the song that you have not heard live that you want to hear live? That's it. Okay. I think I've heard, hang on, let me see. Let me oh, see. no, I have not heard Spoon either, yeah. but I've heard all the others. Uh, I don't know if I've heard Pig. I think I have heard Pig. Yeah, I heard Pig uh, once. Pig, I think Dreaming Tree and Spoon, I know for sure I have not heard. Yeah. But I've heard all the rest of these, which is incredible to say because not many other albums are like that. I mean, Under the Table and Dreaming, there's stuff on there that they never do. Like right. Rhyme and Reason, I've been right. chasing for and a while. And number 34, you're not going to yeah, get a lot. Yeah, 34 is yeah. rare. 
um, yeah, a lot of that stuff in the in the in the back half of that album is a little bit a uh, little bit tougher. But even to, Spoon gets pulled out occasionally, so I feel like yeah, if I yeah. keep coming to shows, well, they did it with Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, at, uh, at, oh, she's amazing. So I'm I, the Stone and, and Spoon. I'm gonna keep going to Dave okay. shows until I until get this entire album checked off. Then I could think about retiring uh. from seeing them live, which you know that won't probably ever happen. But I'm just saying, no. I, I'm gonna I have an yeah. impetus to keep going of to see of- these two shows. Of or all of these the two ones, songs, excuse me. Uh, so, of all the ones that you have seen, minus obviously Spoon and and the Stone, yeah. What's your favorite one that you've? What's your favorite one that you like to listen to live? I mean, we already talked about "Don't Drink the Water," so take that one out of the equation. What's one that you when you hit when it hits? Obviously, not stay. We know that <laughs> it's not stay. No. So it depends on the placement in the set, too. I can be really quick with this. I yeah. mean, sometimes I'm thankful that I have a, a, a decent memory. So Rapunzel, I've heard at the beginning, the uh, end, and in the middle. Yeah. I was thankful enough to hear it in the middle for the first time, like right smack dab in the middle of a set. Not yeah. closing the main set, not in the encore, not at the very beginning, but in the middle. I like Which that. is probably its least... Uh, never used never used really yeah yeah and that was in jacksonville um that i really liked it there i thought it brought the show up like you were saying coming off a slow one it really brought it into the next gear uh it being the show the set list itself it really brought it to the next gear so i liked that in the middle so that was a good one uh last stop i've only seen once in 2003 that was towards the end of the show that was in michigan that was great and then they followed it with stay so you know I think I've seen it twice. Yeah. I think so. Maybe 20, uh, 2016. I don't remember too much about that one, except that I don't remember it being a bad performance, but I've only seen it once and it was a 17 years ago now or so, so yeah. I, I don't Oof. remember it too much. Halloween, I've seen a few times. Great. I saw it in 2012 in the Encore before Tripping Billy's, which was amazing. I also saw it finish in West Palm, which mm-hmm. was amazing. That was 2016. And when it ends the show, it's, it's amazing because uh, Dave just blows out his voice to no end yeah. and, oh, you no. know, and just... You saw it in 2015. 15, yeah. I, I walked out on that. I, oh, yeah. I think I heard the story once. You were with yeah, I was somebody with, so who I was really, like, I want to go home. I don't really blame. You were like, other oh, playing yeah. Rapunzel, I'll I go home. Or, I don't blame this person because, uh, you know, first of all, I got hooked up with tickets. I was at a bar with a buddy of mine who used to play in our in our band in college, and he was like, hey, you want to go to Dave Matthews? My aunt has a couple tickets. And to this day, we still communicate. When I go down there, I'm like, hey, come say hi, whatever. Yeah. And um, I, uh, she hooked me up with the tickets. We sat very close to the VIP area. We had two seats. We sat next to a girl who was at the taping for Radio City Music Hall. Oh, so nice. I was nerding out. Uh, and uh, my buddy's like, you know, I'm, I was like, He's like, yeah, that's just, you want to just go and like beat some traffic? I was like, okay. And then I left. However, I will say too that I wasn't as well versed with not only this album, but the rest of the live stuff and the deep cuts as I was a year after that. When I saw them in 2015, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make it a point to study, do my due diligence on all of these records and listen to everything top to bottom yeah. and pick out a favorite. And that is when I heard this really truly for the first time was probably 2016 when i sat down and listened to it top to bottom yeah it wasn't any time before that and i'm not trying to front so right you know what's funny real quick if you don't mind me going on is about halloween is that you know i i remember being friends with someone um in the first part of time that i was here in florida before they moved uh to the midwest and they she would be in the group that we would go see dave matthews band Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh her husband wasn't really a fan so she come with us uh, to see Dave Matthews, and all she wanted to see was Halloween, Ugh. and never got it. And you know what's funny is on a kind of on a, I mean not on a whim, but kind of as a as a last second surprise, 
uh, when I saw the tickets were available, I decided to go up to Michigan in the summer and take my mom, who's a big DMB fan, but my dad isn't, you know, and she doesn't really entertain the idea because the the outdoor venue, Pine Knob, which is now DTE in Michigan, is a long way from the house that I grew up in in Pinckney. So I surprised her and I took her. First show she ever went to, Halloween no in the Encore. No way. I know. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> Do you know It's what, funny uh, how, you know, sometimes fans long for songs for in what seems like an inordinate amount of time. Crazy. And then you bring somebody for the first time and they get this song just like that. I, so. don't, I don't tell many people this, but some people that are big Dave fans that are l- going to listen to this are going to want to murder Jasmine. Yeah. Jasmine's very first Dave Matthews song live. You know, you want to take a guess? Well, it was 2019, right? The idea of you. Right. Yeah. The very first one. I looked at her. I'm like, do you understand how long people have been chasing this fucking song? By the way, if you go to the DMV Almanac and look, you've played many times over the years, but never as an opener. Right. Never until the Tampa show. That was pretty incredible. That was that. I I left that show with a sour taste in my mouth because they ended with Cornbread. I didn't want them to. You like that song. I do like that song, but I didn't want them to end the show with it because that when they when they came out, I've, I'm jaded now because when I saw them when I saw them in uh, 2016, I believe it was in West Palm, they did a two step into Halloween, which mm-hmm. is kind of a popular encore. Right. So when they go into two step as the first encore song in Tampa, I'm like, you were expecting here we go. something big, yeah. Yeah, I was like, here we go, it's Halloween, and then they he starts droning on the D. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's cornbread, so, motherfucker. Right. But it so, was it was a good it was a really, really good set that night. So really good set. Yeah, it was amazing. Tampa was amazing. And when and when I did go back real quick to twenty twelve, when I came back, I didn't even tell that friend that my mom had seen oh, Halloween yeah, the first time, yeah. you know. That's yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, brutal. It's it's pretty um, crazy. Real quick. So uh yes. Dreaming Tree was great. I've seen that a couple times. Uh the performance in in uh, twenty twelve at West Palm was amazing. Pig I've only seen once and I love that song, so it always is a special thing. That it's, was encore one spot in 2006 in Tampa that was great love that Um, and that leaves maybe Crush because in 20 I want to say it's 2010 in Crush in 2010 excuse me Crush was played mid set and they brought out Warren Haynes for Crush? For Crush. Wow, interesting. Which, you know, he plays a lot on Jimmy Thing yeah, yeah. and, you know, and I saw Cortez. Him on, I saw and, him on Billy's yeah. in, uh, in New Orleans right. for Jazz Fest. So to, to bring him out, he just ripped it on Crush. And it was it was brilliant. So um, maybe just for the guest appearance, Crush with Warren Haynes was amazing. Uh, just Pig, just to see it open up the encore is amazing. Yeah. Um, and Rapunzel mid-set after Here On Out was amazing. And, and of course, Halloween into Tripping Billies in 2012 was a brilliant encore That's in crazy. Detroit. Yeah. So. Question about the band. Yeah. I know that you uh, saw them more times with Boyd versus when he was not in the band. Right, 2018 and onward. And I saw them... Once in 2018 in West Palm and twice in 2019 Jacksonville and Tampa. So only yeah. three times with Buddy with Buddy as the replacement, so to speak, for so the I've violin. Seen, I've seen them 13 times, and I've seen them with Boyd, I think, about half. It's about It's been about half and half. Okay. Um, obviously, the sexual assault allegations. I mean, Dave mm-hmm. doesn't play any bullshit with that. Right. If you fuck around there, you're, yeah. you're gone, which is... A, a, a testament to his loyalty of the, of these guys, and that that's kind of how you know because Boyd's been an, an OG member of the band since you know early nineties. I mean, like nineteen, oh, yeah. probably nineteen ninety. Yeah. I mean, so he's he's a good friend of his too, and it was just uh, 
it it really showed me that Dave doesn't fuck around with any bullshit like that. And I appreciated him for that. And that's also how you know that none of the other guys in the group are doing anything like that because the moment mm-hmm. that he gets wind of that, you're done, man. Yeah. It's you're, it's over. So I obviously the violin not being there is a huge problem for a lot of the forums and the fan pages mm-hmm. and the people, the sure. rumblings that you hear on the way out of the shows and everything like that. And there but, are some people that are just old school people. Yeah, yeah. You know, even before um you know buddy came along you know it was you know there's too much guitar or there's too much whatever you know so you're gonna get griping no matter what but sorry go ahead no just my i guess my question is um would you ever be interested in seeing a violin reintroduced to the band not him obviously because he won't Mm -hmm. i mean he came to tampa i think it was before covid at the attic right Boy, you saw it? No. Oh, you but saw, I saw clips. Clips, and I, I think I sent them to you. I was like, "This is just not good." Yeah. The guy, the guitar player, he was playing with. I mean, there's they sold out the attic. Yeah, sure. Just to see just, what he's up to. Just for the name. Absolutely. And everybody's like, "Are you all right?" Like, uh, he's obviously not doing well. He's was he's, it out of tune and just a mess? Well, he's yeah, he's notorious for being out of tune and yeah. everything like that. I mean, a lot of the live stuff you hear, like the uh, the Piedmont Park famously yeah. in warehouse where he's just dropping the ball he has no idea what the fuck is going on yeah. rapunzel in 2016 for tampa when we were both at that show yeah that was just like it's what a the train fuck? wreck yep, in, yep. The, I in, remember. in the middle of the song i remember yep. seeing that you seeing like, the fist <gasps> pumping yep yeah Absolutely. it was it was that was nuts to me because i remember my buddy jordan who i go to see dave shows with uh down in west palm sometimes he was like, yeah, the, the message boards and the forums were blowing up about the song getting fucked up so bad. Yeah, it was a train wreck in the middle. And then was that the one? Oh, no, it was Ants. When he's like looking at him like, hey, that let's was, stop the song. That was West Palm, and I was only at the Tampa show that year. But yeah. I saw a video um, and wasn't on the message boards much around that time. But yeah. I don't remember how it came up. Maybe through Facebook. Yeah. Somebody had... I was a part of the Gorge crew thing on the Facebook or something, and somebody yeah. had posted a link and said, you should check this out or whatever, yeah. and I Trying to get I looked attention. at it, and, and yeah, and they showed a clip of, like, the band, which, you know, they're all for freeform jamming or whatnot. Oh, of course. But it was at the end of Ants, and he was just really, like... It, I, I, I haven't seen it in so long. I think he was kind of in his own world and just continued yeah. to saw he, away on the violin and solo and solo to yeah. the fact where Dave, perhaps jokingly to Carter, perhaps out of anger, perhaps a mix of both, was kind of like throwing his arms up going, well, right. what are we going to do? You know. Yeah. So he right. just kept going in his own world, and that was all leading into the end of the 2016 tour, which was yeah. the end of their association then, with Boyd and, and all of that. And then the kiss happened after that, shortly after that. Do you remember that? That video that I showed you? The Charlottesville show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where Dave goes to hug Boyd, and Boyd just kisses him on the mouth oh and dave's like what the fuck are you doing man oh. and then he play, he plays it off because he's all cool about you know whatever and then uh i bet you he went backstage and was like dude what what is your problem and that was in the midst of everything starting to come to light in terms of like hey man you need to give us more energy you need to give us more of you yeah. like you're out of touch with what's going on like we got to drag every ounce of energy out of you we got to get you motivated in the studio it should be fun this is what we've been doing for our whole life like yeah. it's just it's crazy. So, uh, would would a violin in the band do anything for you now? I think you know. Look, I 
because it's a popular it's a it popular is. demand among I'm lifelong not, fans. You know, as just your your average schmo fan, I'm not I'm I'm not gonna know you know what the band is thinking about bringing in certain instrumentation, and I would never pretend to mm-hmm. to be in their heads and know. Just as a fan, would I yeah, would sure. I like violin back? It's nothing to do with Buddy. No. And there are certain songs where I think he plays some keyboard stuff Oof. that is Every day. that is great. Yeah, that that takes care of the violin, and I don't miss the violin at all. But there are, of course, a few numbers where I'm like, you know, you know, it it could be, you know, Buddy is so so amazing. It could be anybody on any other instrument than a violin, hypothetically, and you just you you miss the violin right yeah. it's just so such an integral part of the sound of that song that you miss it you know to say lion our graves for example oh yeah yeah you know lion our graves crush crush uh, a little pig. bit yeah dancing nancy's dancing maybe nancy's yeah. although tim does a, a yeah. killer electric yeah. solo yes. where where yes. the vi- i know rashawn takes one and, and tim does the other where Takes the violin was um so yes. certainly i miss it a little She's bit gonna stay there all day now but <laughs> hey now you're friends I was going to say, though... Um, Don't do it. No. Don't paw. That, uh, would I like it back? Sure. But with a keyboard, too, along with guitar, trumpet, saxophone, and everything a little bit more dynamically in the forefront of the sound of the band now... Yeah. Stop. Aww. Hey, hey, you're going to get caught in the wires, ma'am. Is, go, 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 go. Sorry, is our, I ma- would, our mascot's causing some problems. I w- will edit it all out, right? <laughs> or we won't edit Dixie out. No, no we can't. No. We can't. She's a fan favorite. Yeah. yeah. I, I would just, what am I even thinking there? I'm sorry, Dixie. Um, I just don't I just don't know if there's a lot of sonic space for it. Yeah, and I don't want yeah. Buddy to go. No, I'm just I don't saying, like, you've got the keyboards. You've got all this stuff going on. Is there room sonically for yeah. a violin now, too? I, and I know that Butch played with them when Boyd was in the band, but there wasn't a trumpet player and there I, wasn't Tim. No. And, right? and I, think so, a, I think a lot of it comes from like the fans that think that there has to be a this or that with, with Buddy or Boyd. And it's not necessarily that in terms of uh, members of the band. It's just in terms of, I just think Buddy's a better musician. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, sue me, but I mean, I, I've seen him live. I've seen those the keys that he uh brings to certain songs that you would just never i mean you would think that they belong in there because obviously butch taylor's done work on them before Mm -hmm. but he's also got the best voice in the band yeah like classically trained like gospel voice where he is just taking you to church man yeah it's nuts he's the lovely ladies wrapped into one because he's singing over that and i mean i go back to it every time but every day when he did every day and i saw that in west palm and i was like yeah. And a Louisiana Bayou too, yeah. and he's really getting into it. And the yeah, geez. and the thing is, is that Carter and Rashawn have great singing voices that really yeah. acclimate yeah. to the material, and then you put Buddy on top of oh. it or in the mix with it, Unbelievable. and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. So yeah, um, I I would. Yeah, I, it's I, tough, you know. I don't know where they'll go in the future. I I hope they retain tough. Buddy because I, I feel so like he should have four or five years in the band to oh, yeah. to evolve and to really put his imprint on the material and record yeah. new material. Yeah, and with I, him. it was so. it's pretty funny because uh, a buddy of mine who um, I met at the Tampa show in 2018, he was telling me that when they first started to come back and do those shows uh, without Boyd a lot of the sets were recycled and they're like, what the fuck is this? Like, what's going on? Yeah. He's like, dude, we had three months to rehearse. Right. Like 
40 songs. Right. You know, like, what do you want us to do? Yeah. It's a brand new kid that hasn't yeah. heard any of this shit. And, and then the two-step thing happens. Right. And he only knows the studio version. So when they play it live, he's yeah. looking around like, I don't know what to do. And it can even be a little <laughs> bit looser with, say, Jeff on saxophone because – Yes, there are the licks, and, and Jeff was probably using sheet music and some other charts right, to right, help him right. at the beginning, but it's more of a single note kind of improvisational outside right. of the riffs thing, so they can bring in more new songs and say, hey, you're going to solo in D minor at yeah. the end of this song or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, yes, but Buddy is soloing on Bartender or Lion Our Graves or something, but mostly yeah. it's chords. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. he's got to do gotta a lot know. more yeah, yeah, yeah. that he's got to do than it doesn't sound off. So, right. yeah, you got to stick a right. little bit more to a script at the beginning and let him get acclimated yeah, to those songs because exactly. he's exactly. got thick chords to play. So. Exactly. Hi. She's back. She's a pretty puppy. Hi. I'm not mad at you. She's like, please don't edit me out. Uh, and could you imagine seeing him on this tour when uh, they're at their height? Playing arenas sold out well, night after night. The set list that came out, the last one before COVID, went with, uh, I think they did Stolen Away. They did The Riff. They did Sweet Up and Down. They did um, a lot of songs that they had time to rehearse it. It was Vegas uh, 2020. Okay. In February, like late February. Yeah. Before everything went to shit. But it was it was a set that everybody was like, if this is what we're getting in the summer, I'm buying my tickets to the whole. T- I right. mean, I even texted you. I was like, dude, this is this set list is insane. You feel like they were reinvested in really digging they out were, some. Well, it, it probably uh, putting them, more. Uh, it probably yeah. It, uh, it, making it, a little putting more in the stew of yeah, the set list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, know, just what they more were. to grab from in right, case right. something were to happen. You know, like obviously, you know, deeper deeper cuts. But I will say that I think the best show that I have seen. Uh, was the last one that I've seen, which is uh, West Palm in uh, in 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 2019 with, yeah. with Jasmine. That Saturday night show where they played for three plus hours. Yeah. Oteil Burbridge came out, who hasn't guested for with them in in 20 something years, yeah. and um, I think it was like 22 years at the time. And then that, and they uh, closed the night out with the ridiculous version of Ants. And uh, it was just it was just a magical night, man. It was it was one of those that I I hit I had three I think two or three songs that I hadn't heard that happened that night. Mm-hmm. I'll back you up in the stone for sure. And then I think there was another one too. Dick, come on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there there was a lot. I'm sorry, we're 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 dealing with the pup. Uh, <laughs> I've Jeez always it. been told dogs like me, so yeah. you know they're. <laughs> yeah, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would love to go see them again, man. I need that. I need that therapy in my life. I need yeah. that. I need that live feel. I need that. I need those seventeen dollar beers. I need the sticky shoes. I oh, need. Yeah. I need those sweaty Tampa night shirts. You oh, know? but that humidity those gets humidity, you two songs in. I, yeah. yeah, we need that back, man. We need that back. I need to lose my voice again for oh, screaming Halloween. I yeah. need to. Lo- I need to. I need to see these guys again, man. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a time when it comes back. It's gonna be so euphoric when we can finally just gather together like that and do that. Absolutely. It's gonna be. It's gonna. If be your nuts. dreams any indication. You had a vivid dream I that did. we were all going to Dave Matthews I did. this summer. I didn't tell you this. Oh. I had a I had a vivid I had a vivid dream that Keith and I and Kelly was there and my mom was there and my my mom and dad were there, Jasmine was there and like her family. 
But it was one of those dreams. I love where, you, like, Steve. But all you'll be saying is, "When's Big Eyed Fish gonna get played?" <laughs> yeah. oh, I love you. Is Steve. Big Eyed Fish on before yeah, these crowds? Okay. Kids? Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm in trouble again. All right, go ahead. Sorry. You're in the doghouse. I'm uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, I, I, I. It was one of those dreams where, like, you know what you're trying to get to, but you wake up before you can get to that that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember specifically seeing on a jumbotron from like outside of the venue. Uh, and hearing it that they were playing cornbread. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was cornbread. Uh, must have been listening to it or must have been riding high from how it sounded the last time we played it, oh, which it was, was great. a huge surprise. Yeah. We're going to so bring I that back for... totally uh... thought I dropped the ball, <laughs> but it was it, it ended up being okay. Uh, yeah, I, it was one of those dreams where I woke up and I texted you immediately. I was like, look, I hope this is a sign of things to come because I had a vivid dream about attending a Dave Matthews yeah. show this summer, and I cannot fucking wait until I go back and see, uh, not a, not only a Dave show, just a concert in general where I don't have to, where we don't have to worry about anything. I just want to go back to that, that uh, that feeling of just live music bringing everybody together. And it's a little bit different when you play. Like I, I mean, I, I I appreciate the fact that I've been given a talent and a gift to be able to give back and and help people get through some shit and maybe entertain them on a weekend where they're mm-hmm. having a shitty day a shitty week at work or whatever and and kind of give them give back to them in that way but there's just something different about going to see a group that you love and appreciate and yeah. have been following for years and years and um and and just sharing that moment with everybody she's staring right at me <laughs> she's like what the fuck are you talking about uh so yeah when you when you listen to this this morning do you yeah. feel like it's aged in a good way. Uh, it's it's a gift that keeps giving. Yeah, I mean, I, I I try to step away from this album every once in a while because I like to dive back into it and then just go, oh man, this is just so good, right? It's so good, so it's good. So good. My None of the one... songs have lost their shine. No, I don't. E- I mean, even stay. You yeah, know, it's, it's like stay has a moment of. That, that's what I'm saying. I like you know you you funky could, you outro. could pick like um, uh, you know I, I hate to go back to to Bon Jovi, you know, but like, am I ever going to pick out Living on a Prayer and listen to it on its own? No. no, probably not. But when I listen to it in the scheme of the entire record, yes. you know, or something like that, or Don't Stop Believing, you know, right. ugh, you know, but if I want to listen to Escape by Journey, you know, and I listen yeah, to yeah. that album all the way through, it serves its function as part of the track list, right? Yes. So I can listen to Stay within the fabric of the, of album, the album and really enjoy it. Yeah, not... More so than just picking it out on, right. on its own and listening to it. And when I listen to all of the tracks in their order and go through the experience or the journey again of it, it's it hasn't lost anything no. to me after... Mm-mm. What are we on now? 20... This is 20... This will be 23 years 23 in years. end of April. Yeah. Yeah crazy yeah 23 years they really made a masterpiece they did and they they have famously said that it was a very tense time in the studio because of how perfect everything had to be yeah and a lot of the stuff that dave was writing was he brought into the studio and it was just kind of like let's see what if it happens boyd didn't know about the violin solo on crush until the day he walked in when they were recording really yeah that's the legend behind it but nice. it uh, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty incredible that these five dudes just got together and created and such a unique masterpiece. I mean, like this is not a radio friendly record no. at all. It's not a lyrical lyrically. It's not very friendly to the ear. Where it's like, yeah. oh, these are catchy, poppy lyrics. Right. Other than stay, obviously, 
But you know, even "Don't Drink the Water" in the in the singles, you know, the other what was the other single that they had? I mean, Rapunzel, uh, "Don't I Drink the was, Water, Stay and Crush" were the main yeah, three. Crush, but yeah, Rapunzel was yeah. released later on right. as the final single. Yeah, not a lot of it. Not a lot of it was uh, structurally very hard to follow. I mean, yeah. "Crush" is one of those where it's got the the bridge, the pre-chorus, the interludes, like all it, yeah. it just kind of intertwines with it. So, I yeah, it twenty three years, man. That uh, that's it's pretty. It's pretty crazy to and, to think that it hasn't really lost its touch. And I think about how it's a blessing that the popularity of Under the Table and Dreaming and Crash afforded them the creative yes. luxury yeah. to experiment, right? Because yeah. they were probably at the time given pretty much free reign. Yeah. And yes, none of the singles, while well-known, like Crush and Stay, and you could say some of that is through the passage of time and the live mm-hmm. shows, but even at mm-hmm. the time— charted high on say adult contemporary yeah. or rock charts yeah. Yeah. we're not in the we're not in the hot 100 or anything you no, know these no, are no. songs that you know almost as much of a as much as a sing, as much of a single as they were yeah. in whatever chart or format you want to attach them to really the entire album is not radio friendly as you say outside Correct. of maybe stay right yeah you I'm know, t- yeah I'm, you know even it, don't it, drink the water as straightforward as it is is this right. dark kind of yeah. d drop tune Dr- yeah. uh, or dro- you know Droning, drop d tuning yeah. kind of dirge you know mm, it's a yeah. peter gabriel very dark yeah. kind of moody song yeah. so you know there's really one kind of you know uh, summertime anthem with stay yeah yeah you know yeah. so you yeah. think of how successful and how legendary the album is for being oh, it's incredible a little bit more avant-garde yeah it's pretty amazing so. yeah yeah i i love it and this was uh this was a blast i love this album and i'm actually excited that i was able to uh talk about something that i'm well versed in rather than just like learning about a new a new album so we have one there's another so we have one uh question here What's that? On the Scratch Track podcast. That's the whole theme of the deal. All right. So you actually... So break this down for me. What do I have to do again here? So I want you to tell me a time that you wish you could have had a Scratch Track. Now, it's not... I say this every week. It's not something as cliche as if you could go back in time and change one thing, what would it be? It's not necessarily a change. It could be something that you enjoyed that you want to do again. It could be something that you going into it if you had a parachute on your back you would have jumped off the cliff if you knew you could get a second try for example to put it in music terms a scratch track for me when i when we do it with steve i use that as a kind of feel for the song knowing that it's not going to be the final copy but to have something to refer back to when you're making that final cut you know okay. what I'm saying? I think so. so yeah. it's, it's a little confusing if I put it in terms because I'm horrible at explaining <laughs> things. So essentially, it's just something that um, is you're able to see in a different light because of the fact that you have uh, a, a, a safety net. Okay. So something that you would do again, something that you would do differently, something that you just want to go back to and be in that moment. I mean, or like at a concert in 2019 or something. <laughs> or something. But, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, let me just say this. I mean, in terms of something that I would would do over again in a heartbeat, because I really don't live with a lot of regrets yeah. overall. It's a popular know? response as well, yeah. Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. I know, you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean... I think it's kind of silly to say we don't have any regrets, right? Right, but, you know, But you try not to live by many of them. So I, I don't have a lot of regrets. Yeah. Um, so I certainly wouldn't change a lot. I mean, I think that I, if I could do it all over again in the sense of would I 
after I finished college and after I got into teaching a little bit, you know, you could go back and say, would I want to try my hand out in L.A.? Would mm. I want to go to Nashville? Okay. Would I, would, would I want to go somewhere yeah. and try a different path? And where I am now, you know, I can honestly say that if I had to do it all over again, I would hop on a plane and come down to Florida in a heartbeat because mm. to be able to express myself because I'm not a singer, you know, I, I find my way around on instruments. Okay. And I feel like I have a decent voice on a guitar or on a piano, but I'm always learning. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to move the crowd in new ways and, and bring the shows to a new level. Um, you know, but if I would look back and say, you know, Hey, you know, you know, given the same status of where the music industry is, you know, what is making it like we talked about, yeah, you know, right, you right. know, can you sustain a living? Yeah. Can you do attainable something music success, relating yeah, some attainable yeah. level of success that in your mind equates to contentment, right? Yeah, can, are course. you content? You yeah. know, do you feel happiness and, and balance and contentment That's in your very life? Important, yeah. Then would I change anything? Would I chance going out to LA? Would I chance going out to Nashville or, or any of those spots, New York or, or whatnot, just to see what would happen? And my answer would would I wouldn't want to change anything because the 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 amount of love and and balance and like just harmonious joy that mm-hmm. I have from knowing yourself, mm-hmm. from knowing Tammy, and of course uh, my longest uh, friendship and brotherhood uh, in terms of. Uh, life and and music and playing and with bourbon. Al- with uh, and bourbon and with is with my dear brother Alfonso. You know to have the three of you as well as other musicians that yeah, cross course. my path. You know yeah. and he, what of course you know but yeah. but you you three are the most um, tremendously talented, beautiful, awesome humans, and you've you given me so beautiful? much. But you've given me so much purpose in my life. <laughs> I so so likewise, I will just say likewise. So would I change anything to to not know Alfonso, to not yeah. know you, right? To not know Tammy, to not have the kind of creative release that yes. I get from Sweet Lick, yeah. or that I get from these DMB tributes, or to write the original music yeah, that yeah. you present with me, yeah, and and to get to provide guitar for tammy you know mm-hmm. she's she's such an amazing soul to let me play guitar for her yeah and, you know i i would just say that i would come back in in and if i if you could transport me back to that moment where i say do i go to florida or do i go anywhere else get on and to plane. know that yeah. i would not have the three of you in my life you know I, I couldn't do it you know i wouldn't want to change anything my life is so full and rich and tremendously blessed and beautiful to have the three of you in my life so it, you guys are my musical family yeah and you guys are all um so so different in the way that you guys present music to me and challenge me as a musician but the fact that i can somehow hopefully succeed in providing what each of oh, the three absolutely. of you ask of me gives me the most gratifying kind of hope and purpose in life. Have, so that's my answer. I, I, I hope it was okay. It's perfect. Okay. I, you know, it's it's a freewheeling kind of answer. I'm not looking for a specific answer, but I do appreciate it. And likewise, I mean, I, uh, my music career has taken a turn for the better in uh, in, in those in those early days of me meeting Alfonso and meeting you. And, and we kind of took off, like, from the, from the rip. We were, you know, we were very, uh, you know, kindred spirits, obviously, because we were, we were both... Uh, working musicians. We both loved Dave Matthews Band, and we both had a good 
feel for entertaining the crowd and, and, and giving back and energy and, and just being all about the music and mm-hmm. less about, you know, the, the show and enter- entertainment. So before we go, I have to tell this story because I remember teasing it and I, I forgot it. And I just was reminded when is, I took my last sip of Is this Pappy or it, what is this? It is. It's oh, the Pappy no. story. So sh- this is. Are you going to edit this or are you going to leave no, this no, in? No, this is my, this is my scratch track. So Alfonso, our good buddy Alfonso, one night after a uh, Dave Matthews Band tribute gig at uh, Mother's Florida. Shout February out last year. Yeah, that's right. I'll fill in the details yeah, here. February 1. I Paula Krupa was with Kelly. January 31st, And I think Alfonso was. Was, yeah. was there for the whole gig, I think. Yep, he was with yep. Paula and Kelly. We opened the night with number 41 because oh, Kobe Bryant had just passed away. That's right. Yeah. And he was 41 years old, so that's we right. thought, how fitting. And... Um, Alfonso to congratulate us. We don't see this a lot out. Not that I know of. What's up? Pappy, in general. No, in fact, well, I don't even know how much I should say. In fact, I don't yeah. think it's really possible for places to get. I don't know what, what yeah. was pulled there for Joel to get it. In I don't know. So I, well, we better not say too much. Yeah. So it was long, there, though. So I grow up. Uh, I grew up. I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm so sorry. I grew up in, uh, in, a, in a household where we were taught to drink a little bit differently uh, apparently and uh lived with a lot of people that were uh shooters and not sippers so they're chuggers ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah so uh yeah that's right <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah she she taught me how to drink man yeah donna she, yeah and she makes a killer margarita as we've discussed uh oh. in in recent episodes but alfonso gets the pappy van winkle he gets us both a single pour of it and, Where did uh, this Pappy come from? This restaurant has Pappy, I don't and know, there it is. I don't know how much I should say about this, but it's not a cheap bourbon no. uh, for those of you that no. do it. So you can look it up and do whatever you want. So basically what I did was, in front of you, after we toasted to the night and said, hey, another great we, gig, we cheers, clinked. we clinked. And then? And then I shot wait, wait, it. Well, oh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Alfonso sips, yeah, I sip, I sip and, and then I go whoop oh. right down the hatch. And they just look at me like, oh, that's an interesting way to do it. I was like, what What was it? And then Keith says, you just, you you just, just, you just, just shot, shot the shot, You just shot a $75. Yeah. Before <laughs> you could whiskey. even finish, you, like, you, were, you were like gulping and you're like, oh. Yeah. So they looked at me like I was uh, a little a little challenged at the time. And for we sure. still haven't had the Pappy since, but you no, know now. I know now. Don't shoot the Pappy. I know to ask now. Yeah, and they, they still tease me about it to this day oh, because it's, uh, it's, it's not bourbon's a drink. You got to sip. You got to enjoy. Relax. And I didn't know that. I grow up. I, uh, I did it again. Yeah. I grew up in a house and uh, lived with my roommates in college and, and, you know, partying in college and things like that. We didn't have those. We had beers that you could you shotgun. We had oh. t- we had you cheap sipping? tequila. No, oh, oh. we had cheap tequila, cheap rum, cheap whiskey, cheap everything that yeah. you just threw right back to forget that you were even drinking it in the first place. Right. And I've never had something so great. And I got to be honest, I really wish I could have savored it because it oh. was it was a uh, quite the quite the experience for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But what someday that's my scratch track to go someday back and you'll sip. come across that's a good scratch track for me i wish i go back and sip the pappy you know okay. sip it sip not it. shoot it sip the pappy don't shoot it 
Yeah. That's our new hashtag. For and the then Paula track. wanted to get us another round. She's like, what are you guys <laughs> having? <laughs> no. I'm going to get you another round. Yeah, and like, then Kelly's mm. like, that's the peppy. That's yeah. $75. <laughs> She's like, oh, I love yeah. you guys, but I don't, I yeah. don't think we're yeah. going to do that. So. Yeah. It's, uh, that was, that was one of my, that was one of my favorites. So. All right. Oh, brother. That's it. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. It was a blast. I really enjoyed diving into this album. We got to do this again. Are we, we're going to pick up uh, summer of 2005 when you first moved back to Florida. I want to get a full. That's I right. It's the, been quite an adventure. Yeah, I want to hear Florida. the story from 2005 till now because I know you've played with a bunch of, played with uh, uh, quite a few people in the area and worked with uh, people in the studio. We, mm-hmm. we didn't touch on that really. Yep. And uh, yeah, I want to talk. Uh, a lot more about that so okay. it was this was a blast amazing i hope you guys Thank enjoyed you, the episode shout out to carol schwer my top fan on my oh. music page what's up <laughs> oh boy how you doing <laughs> uh i hope i hope i get a chance to meet you soon hopefully by the time this is out we have uh, encountered one well another, it de- but maybe it depends on how bad the magic do because they'll oh, be here for the troubled waters very gig, true and, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we'll see if the magic keep fucking up and letting me down <laughs> carol i'll meet you i promise <laughs> So, All right. uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, follow us on uh, Scratch Track Podcast on all social media. Well, not on all, but uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, make sure to give before you dig a listen. Yeah. And we will have some new music for you soon. Actually, our one that by the time this comes out, Honey Eye will be released. That's going to be the song that's taken us in and out of this episode to kind of tease it. And we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Instagram at Josh Plummer Music. My website is joshplumbermusic.com for all uh, dates and merch and scheduling and info and links to music and stuff like that. So we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much for listening. That's Keith Schweer. I'm Josh Plummer. Thank you for listening to the Scratch Track. We'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a